Hello and welcome to the We Are Geeks horror channel and our Invasion of the Body Snatchers retrospective podcast, where every Friday and every Wednesday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic horror franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. The We Are Geeks podcast series is published by wearetessellate.com and is a completely independent podcast. We Are Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the film's reference and no infringement is intended. Geeks! Geeks! Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the We Are Geeks Invasion of the Body Snatchers retrospective podcast. I'm your host Al White and joining me on this journey, Katie Watson. Hello. And Alison Holland. Hi. How you guys doing? It's pretty good. Doing well. Drinking coffee. Having <laughs> apples. There's yeah. something about doing podcasts before the evening that's strange yeah. to me. <laughs> it's like you're staying home from school or something. It's just like you're not meant to be doing this right now. It's still sunny outside. And, and I have energy and <laughs> sort of. You got energy? Coffee will kick in. Too. Yeah, it'll kick in about halfway through. My energy comes in the evening, so I find it harder. Um, we are going to be talking about a film that is not technically an Invasion of the Body Snatchers film. This is called The Faculty. It came out in 1998. Um, we'll go into some details about what the film is in a second. But, or who made the film, I should say. Uh, but first of all, why are we doing this film in an Invasion of the Body Snatchers retrospective? Now, I don't really explain to you guys why at the time, after seeing the film, yeah, do you feel pretty... it's an apps edition? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a lot of people will argue, and even within the film itself, they will argue that this is actually a Puppet Masters movie um, and not an Invasion of the Body Snatchers film. However, they do uh, talk about Invasion of the Body Snatchers a lot more than, mm -hmm. the, than Puppet Masters. Um, and they reference it a whole bunch of times. But they do like to do a nod to the Puppet Masters. And I feel this is simply because they wanted to make an Invasion of the Body Snatchers film. But they also wanted to tip the hat to where, to, to be fair, Body Snatchers stole a lot of its ideas from. Puppet Master was before. Yeah, so the it Body came Snatchers. Fifty-six or whatever. No, the Body Snatchers book came out in 1954, or it was serialized then. Came out in 55, uh, but the Puppet Masters was already out in 1951, oh, okay. written by Robert A. Heinlein, um, and it's about a bunch of, of sort of secret agent operatives who are fighting slugs that have come from space um, wow. and it was very much written about communism and the gotcha. Red Scare um, uh, I've never read the book uh, now I'm going to make a case right now for something and I'm going to do it on the podcast right off the bat you two to decide <laughs> and you can just say no um, now when we no. first came <laughs> don't like your attitude you just said I could you have to hear the information okay, first. Okay, well, <laughs> preface it like that. Um, you've already decided. <laughs> She's already had her coffee. You should watch out. <laughs> you, you may well want to say no. Anyway. Um, so when we're doing this podcast, I knew I wanted to do it. We knew we had the 50s Invasion Body Snatchers. We had the 70s one. We knew we had the 90s. And then we had the noughties one. Or the 2000s one. <laughs> so we only had four films. I always considered The Faculty as an Invasion of the Body Snatchers movie. Um, even though it does deviate in many ways and even though it is actually closer to well, I'm not quite sure the terminology but it's like the parasitic uh, invasion movies of which there's a whole bunch you've got films like Slither which we watched recently you've got yeah. Shivers which is the David Cronenberg one which is set in a tower block and these little slug creatures are getting into everyone's brains um, there's a whole ton of movies based around that ethos which are closer to the original Puppet Masters book okay 
Um, I chose to keep most of them out because this would be a huge retrospective <laughs> and it does get shady at what point they become something different from Body Snatchers. I still feel faculty because it discusses Body Snatchers so much is a part of, not the canon obviously, but a part of the legacy uh, closer than any of those other films. But mm-hmm. obviously it's up for debate. The case I will make is the Puppet Masters, weirdly, has only had one official movie made. Um, now I knew this before we did this retrospective. And I decided to omit it since it does have a different name and it comes from a different source material. But I'm going to put out now to you guys that we could at the end of this uh, series actually include the Puppet Masters movie, which came out in 1994. Um, And I have one main reason. Well, I've got two main reasons for this. But first of all, for people listening, this is not to be confused with the Puppet Master series, which is a long-running, trashy direct-to-DVD. That's what I was getting confused with. <laughs> bunch of slasher that. movies. I was like, I don't remember that being this theme at all. <laughs> no, they're like t- demonic toys yeah. <laughs> that kill people. Yeah. Um, no, the, the Puppet Masters has only had one official film made um, from the book. It came out in 1994. Um, it was directed by Stuart Orme. The only thing I can really find of relevance he's done is he directed the Phil Collins In the Air Tonight music video. Mm, interesting. Um, <laughs> it was nice. written though by some real Hollywood um, talent. David S. Goya was involved, Ted Elliott, Terry Rosio. These are all people who do ton. Well, Goya's done almost every comic book movie out there nowadays, and the other two are involved with loads of huge Hollywood movies like Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and it was stars Donald Sutherland in the lead mm. role. Well, now my interest is <laughs> That was a bit of information that I was missing before I made the decision of what ah. should be included here. Um, otherwise, I would have folded it in before the faculty because it came out a year after the Body Snatchers film we just saw last week. Um, so yeah, I'm going to suggest that we could, at the end of this podcast, because we only have one more film left to go, throw in the Puppet Masters and see how that is judged in the sort of in the same. Would vein. we give it its own? I think uh, we'd have to watch it and then decide. Or if, just include it in maybe like the wrap up. Yeah, it's one of those things. I feel we could all watch it in our own time anyway. And if we decide it's close enough to the body snatches yeah. that it deserves an actual podcast to be included in the full, well, because at the end the of roundup. this, yeah, we do a roundup. We like to decide the order of films that we like them in and other stuff. Right. And we, if we watch it on our own time, we can decide if we feel it's deserving a proper podcast and to be a part of that, or if we just give it a little nod in the roundup where we talk about it a little bit because we've seen it, but we don't have to dissect it like we do these ones. Okay. Yeah, I would say like we should watch it first. Yeah. And just see how closely it resembles that theme. I've never seen that movie, um, but I am now interested, uh, particularly yeah. since the writing talent is great and Donald Sutherland. the Sutherland. Which is an interesting role for him to sort of almost he reprise. He just really felt that, you know, that was who he was. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, this is like, me. Just miss fighting parasitic yeah. aliens so much. <laughs> So today, though, we're going to be talking about The Faculty. came out in 1998, like I said. It had a budget of $15 million. So the previous Body Snatch movie in 93 cost $13 million. This is the most expensive Body Snatchers style film uh, released. It had a greater box office success than the last one. You might be happy to hear. Last one made just <laughs> under half a million. This one made over $40 million domestically alone. Not surprised me. Um, it was released on Christmas Day, December nice. the 25th, Ooh. 1998. Uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez. So let's talk a little bit about uh, history with good old Robert. Uh, Alison. <laughs> yes. Have you seen many Robert Rodriguez films? I meant to look up which one we watched in school. 
and I forgot. So they showed you one in film school? or in Yeah. School? Well, so I went to school in Austin. So, of course, they're always like, Robert Rodriguez, Richard Linklater. And you just talk a ton about them. And it's also nice because, obviously, they've both been very influential in film history. Um, I've definitely seen Spy Kids. That's also definitely not what we watched in school. <laughs> but they referenced it for sure. Um, I can't remember what I saw of his. Did they not show his first film, El Mariachi? in school not that i saw i'm sure in certain classes but not whatever i was taking interesting yep that's the one i normally like to show in film class just because yeah he was really uh, he's a huge maverick obviously he's very famous now Mm -hmm. um arguably was more famous back when the faculty was coming out yeah had his book which i was obsessed with as a teenager um called rebel with a cause which explained how he really came from nothing he sold his own he went to like medical researchers and he would sign himself up for every test drug possible (laughs) to subject himself to it just to make enough money to shoot his first feature film Um, funded it completely himself basically and shot it almost completely himself (laughs) and it's a proper big action movie uh, which he then later uh, sort of remade and sequelized at the same time in desperado um, and then continued with Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Um, and then he did, yeah, he, he became very good friends with Quentin Tarantino, who was rising up at the same time. They became buddies, um, albeit in different sort of ways. Um, I find directors always seem to pair up in this way. One's a little bit more, I, want, I don't want to say sophisticated, but Tarantino definitely had a little bit more... I think at that time, I know he was trying to do something that was more festival-friendly, I guess. I think um, Tarantino had a very clear vision yeah. of what he was trying to attain, whereas some other directors at that time period had that, they were in that same vein, but they weren't as clear headed. Well, I think Rodriguez was, he had a very clear vision. His was just more actiony. Like he was just more Tarantino into the fun of it. So Tarantino. Yeah. You know, and I feel like he has been that way since he started. I'd argue Rodriguez was the same. Like I, I just don't think his films are as quite as revered they're a lot more just popcorn fun um and i would argue i love some of his films no i love them but completely but it's a different type of thing it's like tarantino was always like the more sophisticated filmmaker and to the point now where tarantino you know advocates film over digital and robert rodriguez just going to digital because it's cheaper and quicker to make stuff like he he, there's a slightly different way that they attempt film um and they started like yeah working with each other on different stuff they both guested directed on each other's movies and stuff tarantino was one of the leads uh not one of the leads he has a role in desperado mm-hmm. um and then he gave robert rodriguez his own script from dust till dawn um, which was the third film rodriguez did and tarantino has the lead role in that which is always weird to see at that point that he was the lead in a film he had written but Tarantino didn't want to direct it he let Rodriguez direct it maybe he just really wanted to be in it more than he wanted to direct it yeah maybe because he got to put Salma Hayek's foot in his mouth <laughs> he, he did he did and the no one time. noticed no one noticed these things until later on we like, oh he's definitely got a foot oh, fetish oh he's got a very big foot fetish <laughs> um, so yeah by the time he did The Faculty that was the previous film that Rodriguez had done was from Dust Till Dawn you know, which was a huge hit um, yeah. one of the most fun films I've ever seen in the cinema and then uh, he quickly started to go downhill a bit after that, in my opinion. Uh, he did Spy Kids 1, which I thought was pretty great, actually, for a kid's movie at the time. Uh, but then the year after that, he did Spy Kids 2, Island of Lost Dreams. The year after that, he did Spy Kids 3D, Game Over. Uh, and then the same year as that, he did Once Upon a Time in Mexico, getting everyone's hopes up that he was returning to his El Mariachi character. Um, 
It was certainly better than Spy Kids 2 and 3, but... I like Once Upon a Time in Mexico. <laughs> it's all right. It's good. <laughs> I like it. Um, and then he returned with Sin City, um, which Tarantino directed one scene from that film. And then he went back to the well of his Spy Kids style films with the adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl 3D. So he had kids at some point in there, and then he just kind of tapered things down. Is that... What happened? Funny you should mention that because his kids came up with the stories for Spy Kids oh, 1, 2, 3, and The Shark Boy and there Lava Girl. Makes sense. <laughs> so he would literally let them write the movies. And this is the thing, Robert Rodriguez, is, he's, if you've ever seen any of his DVDs, other than Faculty, weirdly, which is bereft of, of his normal making of, mm. but he loves to have cool making ofs. And he normally has these segments on them, or at least he used to, called Cooking Classes with Rodriguez. Because his rule of life is there's only two things you have to do while in life. One is eat and the other is fuck. So he <laughs> likes to make sure he's good at both of them. Wow. So, so he writes porn and movies. <laughs> so when you go around to his house, he has like a little menu on the table of what he's cooking at that point. What stuff he's got in his fridge. what he's like, And he'll just do a rotor for a few couple of weeks where that's all he'll cook. Um, and you can come around, pick what you want, and he'll make it for you. So he does like a little cooking class That's amazing. on each DVD. <laughs> and his estate that he's bought, it's really a director's dream. Um, he's created this huge estate and he's got like his own sort of sound stage. He's got his own editing bays. He can just walk from his house to this other massive sort of mansion, record music like he does, do his editing. He likes to do most of stuff in his movies himself. They've got effects work going on there. He doesn't need to leave home to make a movie and that's really how the spy kids movie started to feel was he didn't even need to go anywhere <laughs> to make these movies i feel like this is your not too far distant future well that this is just how <laughs> this is how you basically operate now i think this is a problem though it's every director's dream but it's also i think what killed his creativity yeah. yeah because he just got so into digital film because then it was easier and quicker for him to do stuff like that he could film things so cheaply and he had everything right there so he doesn't he he'd lost what was so great for me yeah you get so incubated and you get no other perspective yeah because you you have only yourself to bounce ideas off of. and he's not going and to your locations children, which is probably <laughs> not the best pool to draw from what a fun dad though i know i've been sitting there like, like okay what do you think happens you next? do that for like one movie though you don't do it for four <laughs> well the first one turned out really well so that's he's... true <laughs> They used up all of their cool ideas on the first one. You just imagine his kids being like, I want to be shark boys. All right. (laughs) I want to be lava girl. (laughs) To the point when he then started actually casting his kids in his movies. So lava girl is actually his daughter. Um, If I remember correctly, let me just double check that fact before I speak. (laughs) Wrong. Lava girl. He's just taking family movies to a whole other level. It's not lava girl. It was in the Spy Kids once. It's his daughter. Uh. Um, Then him and Tarantino... Uh, teamed up yet again to make the infamous Grindhouse um, double bill film. Yeah. He handled the Planet Terror section of that, yep. which is definitely schlocky and definitely Rodriguez y. Um, then he went on to direct Machete, which was a fake trailer for <laughs> Planet Terror. Um, and then he returned Spy Kids for all the time in the world, not in 3D, in 4D. <laughs> That's, that's, is that when you get smells in or is that when they start shaking yeah. you see I don't know something like that then he returned to Machete <gasps> with Machete Kills which is the only Rob Rodriguez film I haven't seen because um, for me Machete was one step into Grindhouse too far <laughs> <personally>. <laughs> 
And then he directed the sequel to Sin City with a Dame to Kill For. Since then, he's been doing a bunch of TV stuff. Um, he's actually directed a whole bunch of the Frontastal Dawn TV show, seven episodes. He did some Matador, he did the director's chair, he did a short film called Sockham Dead. Um, he now on his upcoming movies, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I didn't know about some of these. Is a film scheduled for 2115, which is called 100 <laughs> Years. Now, fuck, yes, I read about this. Oh, that's right. I remember you telling me about this. Yes. It's crazy. This is the film. Oh, I can't remember the details now, but this is a film which has been shot, but it's not going to be released until 2115. Right. What? He's going to time capsule it or something. Yeah. Oh, God. We'll need to look into more of this. I forgot. But yeah, the movie is sealed in a bulletproof safe with a time lock set to open in 2115. Jeez. Um, yeah, interesting. It's called 100 Years, the movie you'll never see. <laughs> um, he's also making a third Machete movie now called Machete Kills in Space. <laughs> he's doing a film called Johnny Quest. Um, and he is apparently taking over the reins on James Cameron's long gestating uh, anime adaptation called Alita Battle Angel, which, um, God, he was trying to do in the 90s, James Cameron. He's been trying to do that for decades. And it looks like he's finally given up and given it to someone who actually will make a fucking movie. Yeah. Or let his kids make a movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is scarily true. So, yeah, Robert Rodriguez, very handsome man, very cool man. Uh, he's the reason I started wearing a headscarf when I was a teenager. <laughs> oh, yeah. He had like a pirate headscarf on his head with his long, cool hair. Are there photos of this? Of, of me you. or of him? <laughs> you. I'm sure I can find photos of him. I'm sure we can get his mom to show us some of these. He was a huge influence on me when I was young because, yeah, I was, I was really in Tarantino. I wanted to be a film director my whole life and reading yeah, Rebel Without a Cause, with a cause, I mean, uh, was really inspirational. And he just looked like a cool motherfucker. So I was like, who wouldn't want to be Robert Rodriguez? Who's the coolest now I just want to go around. to his house. Yeah. <laughs> Have him make me dinner. Is it in Austin? Um, it's. I know it's in the desert because I've seen <laughs> a video of him, but I'm not sure where. I, I presume it's in Austin. Um, so... So, yeah, did you catch on to which of those films? Might I think Dust Till Dawn. Dust Till Dawn, really? Yep. Okay. Halfway through, it turns into a vampire movie. Yep. Spoilers for people. Mariachi vampires. Um, and Watson, what's your history with Roy Rodriguez? Um, I didn't come to him till later. I did not see Spy Kids because that is just not my jam. <laughs> um, I have seen From Dust Till Dawn. I loved the Grindhouse series. Uh, Desperado. Once Upon a Time in Mexico, all those things. But I love that kind of um, Western schlockiness that he brings into things. Um, I love Antonio Banderas. <laughs> so I was like always on board with those ones. I really thought I loved Desperado. I thought that was such a great movie. And trying to think of recently. Yeah, I don't think I've seen anything recently past grindhouse i don't know that i've seen anything because i wasn't the machete thing looked funny but wasn't it just looked way too over the top for me um and then what's her face was it miley cyrus or who's the redhead the one who was like all drugged up Lindsay lohan was in it and i was like had no interest in seeing her in a sex scene or anything so i was like nah, i'm fine um and turns out that i was okay with that decision (laughs) in life so um okay but yeah that's where i am so you've enjoyed some of his work and not quite as much some of his other work basically 
Well, I what I've seen of his work, I've enjoyed. I should say what okay. I haven't seen, I haven't seen up for a reason. You've judged. Yeah, <laughs> I judged from afar and was safe in my judgment. I think. Okay. Um, well, so the faculty was yeah, like right before he got into digital filmmaking. So for me, I was at the top of his game. Um, I was crazy. I remember this was 1998. I was crazy excited to go see this movie because I was yeah. Did you into wear your headband down? 98. <laughs> I may have just been before. Did you have long hair? That time. Yeah, I had long hair nice. at that point. Was it red? Uh, probably red, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about 1998 quickly so we can get some context, what happened in that year for those of you who don't remember it or were not alive, which is quite possible <laughs> for some listeners. Uh, we had 19 European nations agree to forbid human cloning this year, which I remember vividly. I remember yeah. that being a big deal. And I was quite relieved. <laughs> I was getting spooked by all the human cloning stuff. Now we're just happening. cloning the animals, and everyone seems to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, NASA announced that the Clementine probe orbiting the moon had found enough water in polar craters to support a human colony and a rocket fueling station. Remember, this was pretty exciting at the time, too. Yeah. <laughs> these I are feel things like this as a story teenager. just keeps happening over and over and over again. <laughs> As a teenager, these things feel like it's an exciting world I'm growing into. There's yeah. cloning, there's space probing, there's the colonization. The really is going to happen. I'm going to get that hoverboard. <laughs> it's going to be great. And then they'll catch on fire. Yeah, um, on airplanes. Microsoft, <laughs> oh, Microsoft uh, released Windows 98, which was the backbone oh, of most computers for a long, long time. I remember you. <laughs> Even after, yeah, like 2000 came out, 98 was still the one people used for a long time. I remember you had to go to like Sam's Club and buy this, the like big box set when you got the new Windows. It was like this huge clunky thing and it was all for software that came down to basically one CD that had to be inserted and then it took an hour or whatever to download <laughs> and update and your mom was just clicking yes 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 on everything which i still do but like having no idea but she's like this is just what you do when you get to do windows and you had to get another one every year and i was just but we i think we got stilted at the 98 version because it took us a long time i think it was like almost 2000 or something before we even got the 99 version it just yeah. took a long time for us to no 98 was like, it was the bush it was the one yeah people right. still used it because everything just it was the first one i think to really just i don't know be appropriate to everybody all users could figure it out and understand it it was like really user-friendly yeah um until mac came around and smacked them in the face <laughs> Uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets is oh, first yeah. published in 1998 and ignored by most people um, I remember being at 19 maybe or something and in a shop in Switzerland and they were selling like crazy and we were like why have we not heard about this writer and she was in England and just hadn't taken off she took off in Europe long before England and then that was long before it got over to America so it was much earlier than people think uh, Google Incorporated is founded in California by Stanford University PhD candidates Larry Page and Sergey 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 uh, Bryn uh, Zelda The Ocarina of Time uh, is released by Nintendo still many people's favorite video game of all time uh, Titanic became the first film to break a billion at the box office oh, this was, is bringing back so many memories <laughs> as you're going through these it was released in 97 but yeah it broke a billion and it was still in the box wow. office um, in 2008 I most remember from that with the Oscars with Celine Dion yeah. singing a song and just before that you had Elliot Smith scruffy with his guitar acoustic guitar singing the Good Will Hunting song yes oh my gosh <laughs> oh such a great double bill wow 
Uh, perhaps most importantly, I got my second uh, proper girlfriend in 1998. So. Congratulations. So most people remembered a year, I feel. What was her name? <laughs> Eleanor. Eleanor. <laughs> Did you write a song about her? Oh, I wrote many songs. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! All right, I think the very Did first. Did she know one... that she was your girlfriend? Yeah, she okay. lived across the road. I'd just just stare at my window and watch what she was doing. Just hold I up believe... signs and say, "You're my girlfriend." <laughs> <laughs> it's true if you say it enough. I think actually the first song I wrote for her was called "Girl Across the Road." Oh my gosh! <laughs> that was before she was my girlfriend. When I didn't know her name. <laughs> oh man! So you're the girl across the road. I like I you. Like you. <laughs> I stare in your window. <laughs> um, what were you guys up to in 1998? Uh, I would have been 12 years old So I was in 6th grade uh, I was probably that was, This was pre um, Really investing in anything in particular for me Because I went to like a very conservative school um, They didn't really enjoy you being your own person so it took me a while to really realize who I wanted to be uh, so I wasn't really into anything in particular I wrote a lot I did a lot of poetry and stuff at that age but um, as far as like socially I don't really remember because I didn't really get into the Harry Potter thing didn't hit my school until probably eighth ninth grade so it would have been like two years after that um, Backstreet Boys and Sync and all that stuff was going to happen in about two years um, <laughs> so yeah, it would have been right around 2000 was when my life sort of started to begin. Okay. So I wasn't quite there yet. You weren't coaching yet. <laughs> I was, I was pretty still awkward, not really talking to anyone at this point. I had very big glasses nice. at that point. Yeah. Uh, we should really post photos of each of us no. from the years. Of the I burned all of them. <laughs> they don't exist. Allie. What I films are you watching was in 1998? Five. <laughs> so, there Teletubbies? Barney. <laughs> Barney. I, Barney. I actually didn't like Barney. My sister really liked Barney. I don't know what I liked at five. I liked people. I would just like, my mom would get really upset because we'd be in public and I would just like start talking to strangers and she's like, that's not good. And that was me at five. That's how you get and the good still. candy. <laughs> that's how you get the good candy, exactly. Yep. Yep. That's it. That's it. That's all you got to report on yeah. 1998. Yeah. I once poked a woman's belly button in public because she was wearing a belly shirt. And that... I called belly buttons beep beeps and I like went up to her. Of course you did. And I poked it and was like, Mom, I see her beep beep. Oh my God. She got so... Did the lady get upset? No, or was she, she just it was like... Hilarious. It's like those little kids. Little kids are allowed to do shit like that. That's they get true. away with it. Yeah, people, girls get upset when I just poke their belly button. Yeah, and go I beep beep. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, would not recommend God. it now. This was, do you remember this was when you were five? Do I remember you... we were at a restaurant called Andre's in El Paso. Wow. Wow. <laughs> the things that stay with you. <laughs> Nothing quite like well, that I first finger in a belly button. When you get like in trouble yeah. that much to the point where it sticks with you because you feel so embarrassed after yes, you should. sticks with you <laughs> and i hope you've never put your finger in another she, belly button I again not, i have not done that since that day <laughs> good good to know all right so the faculty uh it was a script that was written in 1990 by david wechter and bruce kimmel um they're both written a lot of tv stuff 
Um, actually, as I say the word Kimmel, now I'm wondering if it has anything to do with Kimmel, um, if he's part of the family, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just double check that. David Wechter hadn't done much. He did like scariest places on Earth, all those TV like reality shows and stuff like that. Um, no, I can't find much about Bruce Kimmel. It's still the biggest thing that they've written, to be honest. Um, but they wrote the first draft of the script. They sent it out and no one wanted to buy it. No one gave a shit. And it wasn't until after the success of Scream uh, that Miramax, the owners of Scream, then bought the script and rushed it into production. Uh, the Weinstein brothers uh, were producing and they brought in, and you may have noticed from the tone of this film, I don't know if either of you did, I was watching this, I was like, this just screams Screams. Scream <laughs> to yeah. me. Um, sure enough, they brought in Kevin Williamson, who was writing everything at that point. He wrote the Scream series, he wrote Dawson's Creek and created Dawson's Creek. He wrote, I know what you did last summer. So he was writing teenage ensemble casts. Yeah. And he really created the blueprint for the 90s of how you make uh, slasher movies. Yeah. Uh, with teenagers, he wrote Halloween 7, H2O, my second favorite Halloween movie. I know what you did last summer. So good. No, he did last summer. It's a great movie. Uh, I hope we have an excuse to do that at one point. What year did that come out? That was 97, I want to say. So I, I would have seen that maybe at this point yes it was nice because that was my first horror film i ever saw and i wasn't <laughs> meant to be watching it right. and i remember i my sisters were watching it because they were much older than me and they were watching it with my no they had it my parents were out of the house and they were watching it up in my parents room but the way that our hallway was set up was if i crawled up the stairs i was hidden by a banister area and in the reflection of this mirror of this picture that was on the back of my parents bed you could see the reflection of the tv and it would kind of come out and so they had the door open just wide enough that i could sneak up and like just sit there crouched and watch whatever they were watching you watch it through the reflection and i watched it through the reflection <laughs> but i only got up until the first kill and i got so scared i ran back downstairs <laughs> and then like couldn't get to sleep because i was so scared and yeah it was just and then i could never tell anyone because i couldn't i would have gotten in trouble for you know doing the bad thing but yeah, it's terrifying. That's pretty great. You watched everything in reverse. Yeah, pretty much. Um, well, yeah. Well, this is really the hate it for that. Like you had Scream '96, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, Scream was in '96. You had Scream Two in '97. You had Know What You Did Last Summer, and then you had a Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually an I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. If there was four of them, we could turn it into retrospective. But our rule is you have to have four <laughs> films and above. So good. Um, yeah, and the faculty came out right in the middle of that, and Kevin Williamson was writing all of this stuff. He was the staple over all of it. Um, uh, he did rewrites, kept the basic story, but changed all the dialogue, added new characters, made it more hip. Um, and then originally, Kevin Williamson was set to direct this as his first film as a director, um, but instead he decided he wanted to do his own uh, creation called Teaching Mrs. Tingle, um, which I did not like that movie as much. What is that? Um, God, I've wiped this film from my brain. I just remember seeing it. It's a terrible name. Teaching Mrs. Tingle. It was Helen Mirren, Katie Holmes. Um, It's the story of a girl who's willing to do anything to become a valedictorian, even if it means murdering the teacher that stands in her way. It was essentially (laughs) the same as other movies. But it wasn't a slasher movie. It didn't have the pure horror. It was more of a sort of thrillery thing and it didn't work for me. Hmm. So the Weinsteins brought in Robert Rodriguez to direct the film instead. The film was originally called The Feelers. Hmm. which is a strange porn title. (laughs) The faculty definitely is much cooler. Yeah. Um, And there were a whole bunch of people who went up for different roles in here. 
so let's actually say who the cast was first before we get to who was up for stuff. We had Georgiana Brewster as Delilah Prophet. We've got Claire Duval as Stokely Stokes Mitchell. Um, she's the one who I was trying to say yesterday. She reminds me of Neve Campbell, but she's like the alternative oh. cousin. Every time Neve I Campbell. see her, all I remember is her in She's All That. Yeah. Because she's the one who she, um, what's her face, the lead, and she's all that puts clown makeup on her uh, in the bathroom because she like makes fun of her as she's getting sick in the bathroom. That yeah, this been a girl. Long time since I saw yeah, that I because I always remember her in clown makeup now when I see her, <laughs> which is unfortunate <laughs> for any actress. I apologize, but I always liked her from that uh, identity movie, the John Cusack. Sort of weird slasher movie I didn't set see in that a one. motel. You've seen that one. We've watched that together. It's been a while. We've watched a couple of movies together. Have we? <laughs> yeah. One and two. Uh, we've got Laura Harris as Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson. Uh, we've got Josh Hartnett as Zeke Tyler. Famke Jansen. I never know how you pronounce her name properly. Uh, otherwise known as Jean Grey from the X Men series. As Miss Elizabeth Burke. We've got Shane Hatozi as Stan Rosado. Um, who always thought was going to be something and hasn't really done much. I don't really know why they brought him up. What, Stan was too in the movie. I'm he's sure. the main, like he's the football dude. Oh, he's okay. Football. He's in like Amer Animal Kingdom now and Southland and right. things like that. Yeah. So he's doing stuff, um, but he just always felt like he was going to be a lead. He's definitely one of the bigger roles in this film and he didn't really become the hit yeah. actor that they thought. Because this movie's full of actors, so many people. you got Piper Laurie playing Mrs. Uh, Karen Olsen. you got Baby Newworth playing Principal Valerie Drake from Frasier. you got Robert Patrick from Terminator 2 playing Coach Joe Willis. you got Usher at 20 <laughs> years old playing Gabe Santora. you got Jon Stewart playing Mr. Edward Furlong which is a nod to the actor Edward Furlong, who played John Connor in Terminator 2 against Patrick Stewart as the T-1000. So that's why he's got that name. Edward Furlong, also an awful actor. He was just used well in Terminator 2. Have you ever heard about Edward, the stuff that happened with him? He disappeared for years. Like, weird stuff happened with that guy. He's a strange dude. We should do mm. a podcast just on him one day. <laughs> Salma Hayek has nurse Rosa Harper because she's in most Robert Rodriguez movies and a very baby-faced Elijah Wood. So we have a huge eyes. cast here, uh, most of which were doing something at the time, many of which become famous later. Like I say, like not many ones who don't translate now as stars. Like if anything, there are more stars now in this cast, I feel, mm -hmm. um, than at the time. Um, so yeah, there were some interesting people up for some of these roles. The role of uh, Delilah. Uh, which was eventually played by Jordana Brewster, um, was written for Charisma Carpenter, um, who then turned down the role because she felt the role was too similar to her character Cordelia on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, the title star of Buffy, also turned down the role, uh, sorry, turned down a role in The Faculty. Gillian Anderson turned down the role of uh, Valerie Drake. Uh, she was meant to be the headmistress. Jessica Alba auditioned for the role of Delilah, but was turned down. Damn whole bunch of people maybe um, she was too tall yeah and they have that even this jordana jordana girl was pretty tall yeah she was for yeah. that role because you have to play opposite elijah wood a lot and he just looks minuscule <laughs> he just looks like a little boy they did um yeah they have that line here about x-files at one point as well which you can totally oh, right. tell them would have made more sense if jillian anderson had been yeah the the headmistress because, um, yeah, they're definitely... Kevin Williamson loves his in-jokes to yeah. breaking the 4-4. Um, 
All right. Do you want to plot? <laughs> We're only an hour into the podcast. Shall we yeah, start right? talking about the movie? <laughs> Maybe. There's just a lot. Like, this is such a big cast, and there's so much to talk about with yeah. this movie because it is at a very, like, controversial, well, not controversial, but, like, pop culture sort of time. Yeah. And so much is going on around it. What's yeah. the actor's name from that 70s show? I can never oh, remember yeah, yeah. his. He was the one of the pot, the like the hair, drug the heads. Earrings. Right, okay. The yeah, really there's, there's a bunch of side characters as well. Yeah. There's one that I know from... Um, um, where is he? Danny Masterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he Masterson. has a small role in it. Yeah, he's from that 70s show. He's in Yes he's Man. Yeah. Yeah. Face-off Men at Work. Um, I know the other dude that was his friend better, actually. Oh, yeah, but right when he came on screen, both of you were like, it's that kid. Yeah, yeah. Wiley Wiggins. I couldn't remember what I, I knew him from. Wiley Wiggins, he is the lead young kid in Dazed and Confused, like the main oh, one. He's like the innocent one. Oh, right. Yep. Um, he's also in Waking Life. And yeah, I see. There were just, I think, almost every single face in this film was, oh, I know that. That's from that from thing. Somewhere. Who is that kid from? <laughs> I know that guy. Like, everybody had a face in this movie. Such a great 90s. Yeah. and this was really uh, we're like we're talking the last movie we were just before that turning point and scream we're mm-hmm. already like the world got burnt out very quickly of kevin williamson slasher movies right like by the time we got to 98 it had only been three years but we had had so many people already starting to get fed up of it that by the point you got to 99 2000 the the slasher genre was over again was yeah done. And I it hasn't really come back since. I totally remember that as well. Because, I mean, that was all there was to see at one point in cinema when you were a kid growing up. And we just got to a point where we weren't allowed to go to the cinema anymore. Because my mom was like, this is all that's playing is trash. All that was on was, according to her, just like blood and gore and anything beyond PG-13. I wasn't really allowed to see anyway. So. But that was for most people. I find it interesting. We do look at it. And let's not get too much into the, <laughs> the slasher history here. But yeah, slashers in the 80s were, there were so many. It was like the Westerns. There were just endless slasher movies coming out over mm-hmm. a very small period of time throughout the late 80s. And then they just disappeared. And it felt like a long absence, I think, for most people. Came back in like 96 and it was different. It was sanitized. It was cleaner. It was people didn't get their boobs out in these movies. Yeah. You know, they were a lot more PG thirteen, whereas they used to be unrated, um, or even banned in the UK. A bunch of the slasher movies, and then they just died out again very, very quickly. We certainly did not have as many in the nineties as there were in the eighties, but it was a big enough spout of ones that had a big budget were going to the cinema screens rather than going straight to VHS, and it's been 20 years now and I'm still waiting for slasher movies to have another resurgence and they're not you get the old one pops up every now and then but and they still make good money when they hit cinemas but everyone's more into spooky good well everyone got into torture porn after that with the Saw movies and then they go into found footage stuff and paranormal activity and ghost houses are still the big thing at the moment and I feel we're moving out of that and I feel they're now trying to figure out where do we go what's the genre that we have to get into I feel like this leaves an opening for you Al White Hmm. I just want slash movies to be back so I know you just gotta make them they try Scream 4 tried to bring it back yeah well they're trying to go for more of like TV genre you know everyone's trying to be on a Netflix show so so that is the interesting thing with this film because it is it does feel like a slasher film and we did make a remark of the 93 version felt actually like a slasher film or you know oh right a typical yeah wrote um at that point 80s more horror film but let's get into the plot i need a breath 
<laughs> One evening at Harrington, uh, Harrington High School in Ohio, home of the Hornets, a teacher's meeting turns into a slasher film when Coach Willis comes after Principal Drake with a pencil. She flees into the arms of drama teacher Mrs. Olsen, only to find that she is in cahoots with Coach, stabbing her with a pair of scissors. The following morning at school, we're introduced to the students. Casey Connor, played by Elijah Wood, the dedicated but perpetually harassed photographer of the school newspaper. Delilah Prophet, played by Jordana Brewster, the paper's editor-in-chief and superficial bitchy head cheerleader. Delilah's boyfriend, Stan Rosado, played by Sean Hattozzi, who's looking to quit the football team to pursue academics. Zeke Tyler, played by Josh Hartnett, who's a rebellious drug dealer and contraband seller. Uh, cliche transfer student Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson, played by Laura Harris. Stokely, played by Claire Duval, the alternative self-proclaimed lesbian who doesn't want to be friends with anyone. We're also introduced to awkward, shy English teacher Miss Elizabeth Burke, Fampier Jansen, who has a strange relationship with bad boy Zeke. And Mr. Edward Furlong, played by John Stewart, who is the science teacher. Casey finds a strange creature on the football field and takes it to Mr. Furlong, who believes it is a new species of cephalopod, a specific parasite called a mesozoan. Delilah and Casey hide in the teacher's lounge to find a story where they witness Coach Willis and Miss Olsen force one of the creatures into the ear of school nurse Miss Harper, and then they find the body of Mrs. Brummel. Casey and Delilah flee, and Casey calls the police, while Prince Will Drake claims nothing is wrong and that Casey is simply seeking attention. The next day, Casey tells Delilah, Stan and Stokely he believes the teachers are being controlled by aliens. After Zeke and Mary Beth tease them about their theory, Mr. Furlong confronts them and then becomes defensive and attempts to infect them. Zeke cuts off Furlong's fingers and injects his homemade drugs into the Furlong's eye, which kills him. Zeke takes a newfound group to his house where he experiments on Casey's specimen, discovering that it needs water to survive and be killed by his homemade drug. Zeke makes everyone take his drug to prove that they are infected humans. Delilah is revealed as infected, destroying Zeke's lab and most of his drug supply before escaping. Acting on Stokely's speculation that killing the alien queen will revert everyone to normal, the group returns to the school where their football team is playing and infecting opposing players. Believing Principal Drake to be the queen, they isolate her in a gym and kill her. Stan confronts the coach and team to see if it worked, but becomes infected himself. Zeke and Casey retrieve more of Zeke's drugs from his car. Casey leads infected students away from Zeke, who then encounters Miss Burke in a parking lot and seemingly kills her while escaping. At the gym, Stokely becomes suspicious of Mary Beth during a conversation about pretending to be what one is not. Mary Beth subsequently reveals herself to be the alien queen. Earlier on, she faked taking the drug. Casey and Stokely flee to the swimming pool where Stokely is injured and becomes infected. Zeke and Casey hide in the locker room where Mary Beth reverts to her human disguise, albeit completely naked. She explains she's taken over Earth because her own planet is dying. Mary Beth transforms back into her true form and hurls Zeke across the, rocker, the room into the lockers, knocking him out. Casey seizes the drug, tricks the queen into following him into the retracting bleachers, traps her, and then stabs the drug into the queen's eye, killing her. Casey returns to the locker room, finds Stokely and Zeke alive. One month later, everyone has returned to normal. Stan and Stokely begin dating. Zeke takes Stan's place on the football team while Miss Burke watch affectious, affectious, blah, 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 while Miss Burke affectionately watches him practice. Mr. Falong has miraculously survived his attack, but is now sporting an eye patch and bandages on his hand. While Casey begins dating Delilah and is considered a local hero. Lots of names, yeah. lots of characters. Yeah, sounds a bit confusing. So right from the top of this movie, we're given a very different vibe from any of the previous Body Snatchers films that we've got. Uh, we're kicking off with an Offspring song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so great. This made you happy, Katie. I, I love this. 
Uh, we had much a... better music than the last oh, God. <laughs> we start off with a shot of the sky, I guess, which is like the 50s one in a way, but then a football comes careening through it. Um, and we're in the middle of a really over-the-top football scene with uh, Patrick's... Uh... Well, you that's not where you start, though. Yeah, is that it? is. I yeah. think it is. That's the opening. The oh, we don't scene. start with the the faculty no like that comes that directly movie? afterwards oh yeah, yeah. weird okay you I get the football scene up. first uh patrick's going crazy and he throws the bench on the ground kicking <laughs> right, the right 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 okay <laughs> like sorry yeah. crazy over the top so funny yeah. and then someone or something like walks near him a shadow like casts over him and he's just like what do you want right <laughs> it's so just ridiculously dumb yeah um and then we get lilith from frazier um, who is the uh, headmaster, head not headmistress. Principal. Headmistress. <laughs> yeah. Um, we cut to a teacher's meeting as she denies money for the field trips, new computers, drama productions, um, but justifies the football team getting their new equipment because that's where the money comes from. Um, and we are immediately in yeah, a slasher film. Yeah. <laughs> like you get the coach comes in, uh, we get a scare with him. He then starts intimidating her in his weirdly sort of sexual way. Puts a pencil You're through her hand. You're looking very pretty tonight. Yes. There are weird sexual overtones to a lot of this movie, actually. She seemed almost accepting of it at the beginning, which was You're weird. Saying, and I was like, drunk. oh, is this going to be like this like sexy, parasitic moment? And then she's just like rebuffs him. But it was weird at first. I was like, oh, are we meant to believe that there's something between the two of them? Yeah. She says like there's a thin line between sexual harassment yeah. and yep. something. Or thin line too, such a I don't know. Yeah, something. Sexual harassment. Between flirting and sexual harassment. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so he stabs her through the hand uh, with a pencil. Without breaking the tip off of it. That's impressive. I would like to note. <laughs> <laughs> um, and says, yeah, and says the repeating thing that a couple say, I've always wanted yeah. to do that. Which... Twice it gets yeah. said. She's the other woman. Yeah. Her face. So the, I don't, which I don't yeah. really understand. It, the relevance of that i don't know if it was you're meant to think that it's the alien or something saying that but yeah it didn't it felt out of place i didn't really understand it it was i assumed it was from a movie that i haven't seen or it was a, a intonation into yeah something i wasn't aware of yeah i assumed it was going to be coming back again and again later on right. which the pretty comment did come back where they yeah. Like, yeah you'll be pretty we're all pretty yeah. <laughs> we're all beautiful yeah. <laughs> they all were already beautiful yeah so i know <laughs> there's no problems again um did you guys get horror movie though because for me the scene it's pretty protracted he's speaking over the tannoy system he's hunting her down the the feel of this is you're in an opening of a screen movie mm-hmm. um only there's not a masked killer which for me immediately deflates the fear when it's just a dude particularly a coach running around he reenacts the scene from Terminator 2 at one point when he's running down a hallway. Yeah, he's running just like really <laughs> intensely with his exactly. elbows up. Um, and I didn't know if this, I mean, I guess it's meant to be scary. I'm not finding this opening scary whatsoever. I didn't know. I thought it was more comical, but <clears throat> I thought it definitely set up the tone for the rest of the film. And as far as like, okay, well, it's going to be a slasher film, but it's not taking itself too seriously. It's going to be more of a fun ride than I'm not meant to actually. It's not you know there aren't going to be jump scares there aren't going to be it's it's not that kind of movie from the very beginning i think sorry if they had stuck with because at one point he does do the running but then on the other end he's also like taking his time in some of the scenes like when he's just hanging out in the principal's office and speaking over the intercom he's like would so and so please you know yeah like that 
is way scarier to me if they're calm and like confident that like I don't need to run I'm gonna get you anyway it doesn't matter and once she's fumbling with the keys to get out of the door he's just like walking toward her and that's way creepier for me than chasing yeah because then it's like well it's anybody's game now I liked the scene. She goes back into the office to get her keys and he comes running in, but with the whistle in his mouth. Yeah. And I thought that was, re- that's kind of eerie to me. It was because you can hear it before you see it. So okay. once you see him, it's kind of funny, it's but really like you just hear this noise and he's like, you're like, what the fuck is that? And yeah, all of a sudden he comes bulky. running in and he's got this whistle in his mouth. And again, yeah. Once you see him running with the whistle in his mouth, it's funny. But up to that point, I was like, what? What is that? But you also could play it longer than like for me. Yeah. I remember even as a teenager when I went to see this right in the height of slash. I was very, I was so hypercritical of how you did slasher <laughs> movie openings. Yeah, like I like, I wanted them to be just a certain way before the title came up. And I remember being disappointed in this opening the first time I saw it, and I still am now. To be honest, it's like I, even now it's even less scary than it was at the time. I don't find it scary in any way. I think they're trying to set up. Yeah, this is going to be fun, silly, and scary. Yeah. and I'm just getting the fun and silly, which yeah. I'm fine with. But it's not a cool opening for me. It's it's a, a bit dumb, to be honest. It also kind of sets up the idea that the, the adults aren't as smart as the kids. Because um, later on, you find the kids have a lot more depth and uh, like are better characters than the adults and the faculty are in this film. And I think that that was a very typical theme at this time because they were constantly trying to make it out that adults weren't were not cool like they just were these very boring ferris bueller-esque sort of characters and i think that that's all that this was hoping to accomplish and i think it did that yeah i guess i I will say that yeah like what we're about to get to when we get into the young characters what i will make an argument for this movie is it does everything that the last proper invasion of the body snatchers movie the 93 version was trying to do better like it's it introduces teenage characters as your leads. It creates an ensemble that you care about, and it sets it in a very tight space yes. um, with essentially sort of invisible walls, which is what they were trying to do with the army base on the previous one. Yeah. And this one managed to successfully have fun with that, uh, which is exactly what we well I said I wanted anyway from the night through one. Yeah, she should have had fun with this, and this is the movie that does that. Uh, if you're also getting a scream feeling from the beginning of this movie, which I really was, I had to look it up and go, oh, of course, it was Kevin Williamson, I forgot, he rewrote this script. Not only that, it's scored by Marco Beltrami, who did the, uh, the music for the scream movies. Oh, interesting. So you're getting these, these guys who were employed a lot in the <laughs> latter of the 90s. Um, and it totally feels like scream. There's even a point later on in film, which when we get to, I'll mention it, where I, I need to check, but I think they use the scream music at one point. Really? Um, but yeah, we'll get to that bit. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a very 90s, but it's kind of great because it's big orchestra. It's big band sounds, and you you do get a grandness of this movie was meant to be seen at the cinema, mm-hmm. which is not enough horror films have that. So it's kind of fun to be in in that sort of golden era again. Um, so yeah, and then we get into the the titles come up as is customary with a slasher film, uh, which I will keep talking about. It's like it's a slasher <laughs> film, um, albeit not in a big rock and roll way. It's all chilled and kind of spooky, um, which I thought was an interesting choice since this is quite a rock and roll film, uh, which is embellished by the fact that, yeah, then we cue, cut to uh, the next day at school and we're introduced to all the characters we just mentioned. Um, and as we're introduced to each one, we get a freeze frame and their title, <laughs> the, their name comes up on screen. Uh, all to an orchestral version of Another Brick on the Wall. Yeah. Floyd song. 
which is yeah obviously a nod to what's to come of uniformity and yeah just being a part of the system how how are you guys because i mentioned to you two before that yeah we're gonna get freeze frames and names up on screen and neither of you look very convinced how does it work in the context of the movie i loved it i thought it was hilarious i think it fits with the movie you know immediately off the bat even from like the first scene where he flips the bench over with all of the Gatorade. <laughs> like, you know it's going to be silly and fun and ridiculous. So I think it works. It made me laugh. I think if they hadn't done it, I, I mean, obviously I wouldn't have noticed. But I think it, I like it better with the freeze frames. I think it's funny. Yeah. I think also with this big of a cast, I think maybe the visual association of their name yeah. with their face was important. Um, which at first when he told me that, I was like, I'm not going to like that about it, but (laughs) they did it very quickly, which was also, I think key. They didn't let it sit on that for too long. Like they didn't freeze it for, it was maybe two, three seconds that it sits there with it. And so, and they picked crazy font to put on it. So (laughs) it just had this kind of like fast times Ridgemont high sort of feel, um, which I really, I ended up really liking it because that whole first scene is, you know, them all walking into school and just seeing what, who they are in their world and they're all so cliche and I just thought it was I thought it was great it was very like retro and fun yeah I agree this is the scene that when I first saw it I remember this is the scene that got me back into the movie yeah. I hadn't <laughs> been convinced for the opening so oh no Robert Rodriguez not doing a great job here um and then this is the fun side of it this is the bold which he's great at doing it's having bold fun with stuff mm-hmm. and yeah the characters are so cliche you see elijah wood just getting beat on again and oh, again, and again and the again. scene where they're like all holding a different limb and just oh rim my God. <laughs> that kid is oh. never gonna have kids no. like you're just determining the rest of his life right there so ridiculous i felt so, so bad so sad. <laughs> and it's but it's just one of the things like i don't want to say it's it's well written because none of this is subtle ways to tell you yeah. characters but for a film it's just trying to get you into the action as quickly as possible in a big ensemble cast yeah, yeah. you know who everybody is like yep. you they all look different they yep. all have their roles to fill and it yep. tells you immediately with cute literal cues mm-hmm. on screen did you find uh, i found stan the football guy he really looks like michael rooker's son to me that's how he looks he, remember michael rooker no. From Slithers and Gardens Galaxy, the guy we don't like. Oh, he just like uh, I kept getting hit that vibe off of him. I don't know about that. I didn't get that. Okay. Um. So then we get into yeah the faculty. We're introduced to Nurse Harper, played by Sama Hayek, who has really a thankless role in this movie. <laughs> she doesn't do much in it. I know. She gets She's one funny sick. line with "I'm saving my sick days until I feel better." And yeah. yeah. Um, Being weirdly accosted by john stewart's character in that first scene with yeah him. he's like all up in our grill <laughs> just back off man uh i know we get robert patrick drinking lots and lots of water and we start to introduce yeah. something that is familiar to body snatchers movies of they need hydrating because they're plants mm-hmm. i guess i thought but, it was cool yeah. though that it was acknowledged by the other teachers it wasn't just yeah. you know him in the background being weird and everyone's like oh it's fine yeah just coach and everyone's like why is he drinking so much water it is fitting for, of all the characters that would be doing it though that it'd yeah. be the football coach well and then somebody so says makes... something like well maybe it's his new pregame ritual or something yeah. like that and they're all like bitter because they didn't get their funding their money and, and he did. it's the night of the or tomorrow's the big game or whatever so i do like that they switch on this head here because i was watching it as a body snatchers movie you think oh it's because they're plants and it's not just yeah. because there's amphibious creatures yeah. that need water for a different reason but it lets you keep the same law 
tropes. Right. Kind of yep. Um, and then we introduced yeah Mary Beth, who is the transfer student. Where's she meant to be from? It's like Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. yeah. Alabama. Um, I got to say Alabama in the last film, didn't I? You did. Reason? Alabama. Is that where they moved to? They moved. They go to Alabama. Yeah. Oh, do you reckon that's film. like a purposeful thing? Like maybe I don't she know, maybe came from the army she base. She just didn't have a great English accent. Is she American? That actress? Because uh, they always do that sometimes. If you don't have a great American accent, they give you a really southern one, so that it's just like, oh, her accent's weird because she's from the south. She is from Canada. Yeah. Huh. So she probably just didn't have a great run-of-the-mill American accent. I'm just looking at the stuff that she's done. Interesting. Um, yeah, so she, she tries to be friendly with Stokely, um, who claims that... Well, she doesn't claim. She's told by Delilah that Stokely is a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tells her she doesn't want to have any friends. Elijah Wood's eating all by himself up in the bleachers <laughs> and the... Those are what it calls, isn't it? Bleaches? Yeah. yeah. We don't have those in England. So. Um, I love how he's the perfect little dog, though. He's got his yeah. camera around him. He's got his drink box. He's <laughs> a little from. juice box. Uh, he's basically, he looks like Peter Parker, basically. Yeah. He does. He had a very Peter Parker vibe. There is a spider hanging behind yep. your head, Allie. Just so you know. Hello. Speaking of Peter Parker. <laughs> I am Spider-Man soon. I am, I am Spider-Man, Spider-Man soon. <laughs> well, oh, he's retreating. This is good. This is good audio. <laughs> she killed him. We wrapped up in here and squished him. Oh, she she put him in a cocoon. Cocoon. I was going to say, I haven't seen Allie kill. That's the door we never opened. Well, she opened it. <laughs> so, yeah, he finds something. It's on the, the pitch, isn't it? He's alive. He threw, oh, he threw it inside. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> she is being attacked by the spider. <laughs> Allie is now dead. <laughs> Oh, she has superpowers. She's one of the two. spinning her own web as we speak. <laughs> All is well again. Um, so yeah, he he walks down from the bleachers and then finds something weird. Yeah, in yeah. the grass, in the grass, or on the field. Yeah. So I'm gonna want us to keep track of this because there's a couple of bits I did get lost with. I was making notes for the movie, so it's possible mm-hmm. I missed a couple of beats because some things do move pretty quick later yeah. on in the film. Um, he has a little run-in with, with coach. the coach who has that great, um, who's trying to ask him why he doesn't run. You're not really into sports, are you? <laughs> I love this moment. I, I love his so reply. Like, I don't think a person should run unless he's being chased. That is my life philosophy. I feel <laughs> the same <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, then the coach says something like, maybe you should join the team. There's lots of chasing happen or yeah. something. He says yeah, something yeah. about he's being like, chased. I, like um, I, really, I really like Elijah Wood's character in this because he has like, zest to him yeah. like he's this weedy guy who gets beaten up all the time but he bites back to everybody like mm-hmm. yeah. he, he's constantly like snarky comments that then get him into more trouble yeah um which i think is cool um yeah and then stokely starts to notice that the teachers are being weird and we're getting it right at the beginning of the film yeah like we're really thrown into it straight away i guess kind of like the 93 body snatches movie where you're you're in the environment where it's already happening right mm-hmm. and people are already starting to notice things are strange um, what I'm finding strange is that everyone in this school is mean to each other. Like everyone's calling each other f- like fuck bad and yeah. dickweed, <laughs> just like really mean. Just like what does she of... call Delilah? Like tits bad? Yeah, tits yeah. tit bag or something. <laughs> and then she, well, there were some really good ones. Should just go through and write really down all funny. the insults. Yeah, that would have been great. I want to yeah. know if they're Kevin Williamson stuff, trying to be hip and make it more like a kid, teenage film. 
if they're from the original script but everyone's yeah, really mean to each other yeah. high school is not very nice <laughs> was your high school like my high that? school was not like that middle uh, school was not very nice but yeah. it wasn't like insulting each other directly to your face it right. was just like everyone's going through puberty right now so everyone's moody and shitty and bullying each other yeah. in different ways but not in my high school I love how no one gets upset about it in this film. They're all just like, yeah, yeah. fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to handle it. Yep. Take it and then dish it back. Um, but Mary Beth is really insistent on trying to be friends with Stokely, who then tells her that she just pretends to be a lesbian to keep people away from her because she really doesn't want any friends. Uh, we don't really get any back history on her. We don't really understand why she's alternative. She is alternative and that's yeah. enough, I guess. Yep. You just meant to know, well, everyone knew one of these There's people. There's always still. one. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the teacher looks at the thing, uh, the little sort of cephalopod thing that uh, Elijah Wood found, uh, and he says it's a seed-based organism, right. which is this weird throwaway line because they don't come back to that. It definitely seems amphibious, right? Um, but it's a definite nod, I guess, to body snatches. But maybe, I mean, you are kind of led to believe he's just making assertions offhand, and then when they, you know, put water in it, he's like, "Oh, I think it's amphibian or something." So. I, yeah, I think it was a nod, but not necessarily to be trusted. Well, you have point. still like the sort of tendril things. I feel like it is meant to be like almost like an underwater plant, but that's yeah, alive maybe. kind of thing with teeth. Yeah, yeah. that has teeth. Like. Definitely <laughs> has teeth. Um, how are you guys doing with the CGI in this movie? Because I remember even in 98, I was not convinced with some of the CGI. I like the prosthetic stuff that we get later. The CGI stuff was like, mm, this doesn't look I great. I thought it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was very different. Um, I, I liked it kind of had this like tadpole translucence to it. Uh, and then I I sort of dug the, the little red tendril things that came out because, yeah, it gave it this sort of planty fish vibe. Yeah. So it was different. Yeah, I honestly wasn't crazy about the tendrils that looked like spaghetti in the last one. Yeah, I, I thought was. they were like super fake and like plastic looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it really like the the scene where it's coming down mm-hmm. when she's in the bathtub, and it should be like bending and forming with the bathtub. It's just straight, and so it like skips over the bends. And I was like, yeah, yeah it doesn't look that great. So I actually liked this one better, and I yeah. like the little teeth that you see on it. The little teeth. <laughs> it literally like it pulls it like, its own yeah. skin it's like back. A shark where it's like yeah. the jaw comes out. It's really it has like weird. your hands to pull back its gums to allow yeah, the teeth out. It's really strange. It's very strange. <laughs> I thought it was great. I liked it. No, no, I do like it. I'm just not the CGI doesn't really do it for me. Like I like the red tendrils, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I as hokey as the last one looked, I still prefer the the physical effects. Mm. Um, but yeah, they accidentally spill water on it. The teacher then starts thinking, gets all excited, thinks he can make money off of it because he thinks it's a new species and puts it in the tank uh, where it starts swimming and then immediately duplicates itself. Did I blink? Do we see how that I happened? Was, yeah, I don't know. Did they, I thought they like did something that affected it and it like popped out. It looks like he goes to touch it and then it just Yeah, I don't know. Well, no, because he stuck his hand in there. After, after there were two there were two which i was like that's dumb. right after he something had that just there's teeth duplicated like, itself i'm not gonna that? be like we should reach in and touch <laughs> well, it he goes to touch it first yeah. then it duplicates and then he reaches in again and, and it, bites it bites him, him. after yeah. it shows its teeth right yeah because yeah. yeah. they're all like well it has teeth he's like yeah. oh let me see Sticks and then he's literally just mumbling oh it seems face. to have changed <laughs> physical form yeah. i want to poke it yeah well which is understandable but like maybe don't like poke it with something else other yeah. than your hand. I'm just confused okay. with what this means because it duplicates itself, but we don't see that happen again, do we? In the film, no. like nothing. To, I don't know why it duplicates. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't really understand. I feel to try and trace like we've been tracing the logic of each body snatch movie and how they work. 
In this one, clearly we have someone who's the queen who we presume is the shadow that's cast over the coach at the beginning of the right. film. That person can then, they, we find out very shortly after this, they kind of use their tongue to put like bugs inside through your eardrums, basically, so maybe, that turn you almost immediately. Maybe but they it, duplicate with water because like they're all drinking so much water or standing in the rain or the coach is standing in the sprinklers so that they duplicate and then you, then use your second one to... To plant in someone people. else's Maybe. I got the idea that they they like could become as many as needed to be because later on you know when he gets his fingers cut off they're each their yeah, own they divide yeah. thing. and start crawling around and then th- there's another scene when there's the big football game and they're like dropping them into the ears of everybody and they're like pulling multiples out of their own mouths yeah so to me it was just this idea of like propagation and but it maybe was... it is to do with water then when she says when they say yeah. later, like they're drying us out because we made mostly of water right they use the water to make more slugs yeah. maybe mm-hmm. i guess but then you think putting them in a tank like would make breeding. dozens of them you don't yeah. think it'd just be one but you don't know that there weren't like it could have yeah they don't really, they you don't really see the tank again until yeah. later on yeah yeah i don't know it was just a little was, i'm not convinced they thought through right all of that stuff. i think they just, just kinda, wanted that yeah. to happen um <laughs> Yeah, and then the tentacles kind of stick to Stokely's hand, which I thought was interesting. I thought it was a cool, like, shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do, don't they? It's yeah. kind of like one of those, what do they call those, electrical Yeah, like a, Yeah, like a shocker. Uh, so then Stan tells Coach that he's quitting the team to concentrate on his academics. Um, which <laughs> I was really... a bitch about this. Oh, she's a fucking cow she was for the whole so week. Horrible. <laughs> she's awful. I hate, she's like, I These hate are her. Estee Lauder lips. Takes oh forty five minutes to apply. Yeah, that was ridiculous. First of all, <laughs> which I'm not. I'm fine with because I feel you're meant to hate her until right. we we'll get to stuff later, which we'll talk about. But um, which then confuses me because then I feel like no, you're meant to be on board. I feel with all these characters. Yeah. And I am with most of them. Like the football player, they got me on board with him mm-hmm. because like, I'm a D student. I want to be a D student. <laughs> I, I heard. I like Elijah Wood because he's snapping back at people. Zeke, I remembered as being the lead character, and he's definitely not, but that's just because it's just Hartnett. He's on the front of all the posters. Um, But you're on board with him, even though he's just a douche. (laughs) Like, he's he's not. Yeah. He's He's like like, funny, and then he'll add something valuable, but then he'll go back to being funny again. Yeah. But he's essentially like a just a reprehensible character. Like he's yeah. not he just lies to everyone, yeah. but he's handsome and funny. So yeah. <laughs> we don't And secretly care. smart. And he's got a cool car. <laughs> well they keep saying this, they keep saying he's a genius the whole time, which right. like really hyper intelligent. Well, I don't see that at he, any point Yeah, well movie. there are a couple of times when he you know, gives intelligent responses in class and when no one else knows the answer he already knows. But to me, I took that as he's already taken this class <laughs> because he's uh, yeah. repeating his senior year. So I didn't find that to be something super intelligent. I just felt like, yeah. oh, you actually listened last year at some point. The most intelligent thing you see from him is when you get to his lab yeah. and he's like doing but all even these tests. She's like, oh, it's mostly and... just trucker pills. And he's like, shh. You didn't and I was like, that. so why do you need all this lab equipment if you're just crushing up caffeine pills yeah. and yeah, mixing we'll, we'll, it with we'll something else? We'll, we'll get that. I have a lot to say about that scene. Um, but yeah, no, so you see him. This is another Kelvin Williamson trait. Um, you see him in class, yeah, and he gives this intelligent, I'm mm-hmm. using finger quotation marks right now, um, answer to them talking about Robinson Crusoe um, and explaining about the inner like turmoil inside. Um and this is a very Kevin Williams thing things to do. He does it in all screen movies. He loves to have a scene where a class is talking about metaphorically whatever message yeah. you're going to get. He does it in H2O, Halloween 7 as well. Mm-hmm. So you get, this is the theme of the movie. I feel this is a confusing theme to be given. It's to do with isolation, 
really is what they're talking about with yeah. Robinson Crusoe. And I don't get that in this movie. This movie is yeah. an ensemble piece where you feel there's a there's a you know a, what we wanted from the '93 one of a band of people getting together and taking a resistance essentially. But it's more about inner isolation, I think. I think you're meant to start to ponder, you know, even if you're surrounded by people, um, how alone you can still feel, and you know, even if you're completely alone, that sometimes is the best company. So it's like this kind of paradox between those two. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I understand I, I what you're saying, <laughs> but I think that they were like fishing for really big fish when they only and they had no bait. You know, it's like they just really tried to go for something huge yeah. when they didn't have the material for that. Yeah, it feels like Kevin Wilson came to a script that wasn't from his mind, which is exactly what yeah. happened, and tried to segue in. Here are my things that work in my formula. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that make us money. But it's like, that's not, he didn't key into the right story. I feel there right. are better stories that he could key into Plus, here that they could be studying. You're reading Robinson Crusoe in your senior year. <laughs> I read that in like fourth grade. <laughs> so maybe they should. Even held that many years. They got it yeah. so slow. Um, we do, yeah, so then we get the shower scene where you get the, uh, I don't know which teacher she was actually. She was the one who wanted computers. Okay, yeah, very weird, like the, old, so the elderly old. lady. super old one, yeah. Really into tech. Yeah, I know, she's like, we just need like one, and I was like, do you know how to use a computer? <laughs> I was waiting for her to be like, we need more typewriters. <laughs> uh, so she begins to strip down, and her skin's all fucked up, her hair falls off, it's pretty icky, actually, she's got slimy yeah. feet. Really sweet though, because he doesn't he like to, freak like, out. Yeah, he just like hugs her. her, and Elijah Wood comes running in, and instead of being like, "Get this bitch off me," he's like, "Go away!" You know, obviously there's something really wrong with her, and he's really tender with her, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah, and it told me a lot about his character. Like he's not yeah. an asshole; he's just this kid who, you know, is misunderstood. Yeah, for the actor I know least out of all these people and the football player, he's the one I'm kind of liking the most. Yeah, to be yeah. Um, and she tells him that they want everyone. Starting to yeah, put all those little seeds of doubt into people, mm-hmm. and we get that great shot where Casey um, sees the coach standing in the middle of the field with the sprinklers. She's <laughs> <So laughs> like, so good. His arms crossed, not moving, and yeah. he's just trying not to blink as well. But you see the actor Robert Patrick so just funny. like trying not to blink. All the water smashing in his eyes. <laughs> his hair was like all over the place. So funny. We get some more in-jokes. Zeke is selling from the back of his car VHS tapes of Neve Campbell and Jennifer Love Hewitt naked, which are <laughs> obviously from other Kevin Williamson scripts for, I know he did last summer, and Scream. Um, and then we get Famke Jans- Jansen as Miss Burke. In one of the weirdest characters I think I've ever seen mm-hmm. in my life, she's so awkward yeah. that I find it awkward. I, I, I believe her later on when she ch- becomes more confident after she turns. Yeah. I, just, I think this is awful acting when she's <laughs> pretending to be this meek, like yeah. shy. And I can't tell if there's sexual tension between them or if it's just bad acting and yeah. it's just making you read stuff that isn't there. Do you guys get that there's something actually going on between them? Or I feel like he him? is just trying to make her uncomfortable by being sexual. But then the way she responds, it makes it feel weird because she's not like that's inappropriate she just like kind of lets she's it happen like, oh, yeah. so i'm like oh so is rude. there so rude. something going yeah. on um, well and then as a teacher she has this big sign and i noticed that that's like the thing in every single one of the rooms there are big written signs of different things that's meant to dictate the mood of that room but in her room she has this huge sign that says kill your television and i just felt like that 
is a statement from somebody who's very passionate about what they're talking about. And she's just this little mouse who's like, so Crusoe, how do we, anyone? And it's just like that. It was very conflicting. I didn't really know how to feel about her at all yeah this really is, the whole movie <laughs> this is the thing you're getting yeah because that makes sense in a classroom maybe she's being bullied or taken advantage of or she's yeah. got an unruly classroom but yeah, everyone's just in a quiet place it's really her. nice and i don't it's i guess again with all these characters they're just kind of giving them to us and expecting you go along with this we're not going to tell you why any of these characters are how they are right you learn a tiny bit about josh hartnett in terms of his parents are never around yeah. that's about as much you don't learn that until later no but that's the extent of characters yeah. we get for anyone really yeah. in this movie you don't learn why any of the characters are how they are mm-hmm. um i guess you get some of elijah wood's parents but i don't feel that explains him that much i thought know? that was a little like weird their decisions were very rash and just yeah. like yeah. over the top I yeah like, i feel it like this is not believable doesn't yeah. feel like you would make a elijah wood with those kind of parents it was yeah really bad character histories <laughs> to me and famke jansen just like it works most of the time because you just go along with it and they're embodying them well mm-hmm. but she does not embody this well at mm-hmm. all. i found it quite embarrassing um they start noticing all of the water that's being brought into the school and then Delilah and Casey team up um, looking for a story which I found a weird duo but I guess it does make sense in American school does it the head cheerleader and the sort of well, photographer for the be, newspaper I think, yeah exactly because she's running the newspaper as well isn't she yeah she's editor in chief okay which does not seem likely mm. <laughs> I don't know I didn't go to American high school do they the cheerleaders often no I mean that that situation is normal but for her particularly right. i didn't find her to be that broad yeah. yeah i think they wanted to show like this is the girl who's involved in everything right. she's a cheerleader she's in student council she's in yeah. yearbook she's the go-getter but she her personality doesn't match the one that's like i want to be involved in everything because right. i want lots of extracurriculars it's more like she's just I'm vindictive pretty. i'm gonna date the quarterback of the football team and yeah. i don't care about school or organizations as long as i'm popular and then she, she threatens would... to not date him when he says he's going to stop being the quarterback yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like well that's not the social norm like you have to because she doesn't team. even strike me as the cheerleader type mm-hmm. she just she, we have one scene of her talking to what we assume are cheerleaders talking about how they all have to look the same yeah but only in a very natural way which is weird. I would have expected there to be an identifier where it's like, you know, sort of the mean girls on Tuesdays we wear pink, like sort yeah. of thing where it's like we only wear our hair and ponytails or blah, blah, blah. And well, they could have like been in their uniforms. Yeah. She like never the, once like put a uniform or something. on. Something. Yeah. There's no pep rally or anything mm-hmm. sort of feel to her. Yeah. They're confused characters. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But at least we know who they all are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, They're very defined. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they hide in the faculty closet uh, where he sniffs her hair, <laughs> which he seems to find enchanting. Yeah, she smiles at him. Yeah. Um, and then they, yeah, they, they watch uh, Patrick Stewart and the other lady whose name I've forgotten, uh, one of the other faculty members who have already turned, grab Sama Hayek, uh, put the tongue into her ear, and we actually watch what happens when you, yeah, they change somebody. And then the body of the old teacher falls on them from inside the cupboard, so they break out and run. We're 33 minutes into the movie, because that's why I checked the timer on it. Um, and the whole faculty has basically already been turned. Yep. So we are like knee deep in this movie, just half an hour in, uh, which I find quite impressive, to be honest, mm-hmm. that they're just rushing straight into it so you can get into the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I find less impressive is that Elijah Wood 
slips while they're running. He falls a lot. With an obvious body double doing his slipping. Yeah. <laughs> and then in those two seconds it takes him to get up, Delilah's just disappeared and he can't find her again. And that's the pocket of time that I guess we're taking it as that she somehow gets caught and is cloned from that point onwards, maybe. Right. I'm not sure when yeah. she gets cloned. Um, but yeah, that's the only time she's really, truly out of our sight. Uh, he calls the police, um, but nobody can be found, which harkens back to the old Invasion of the Body Snatchers movies. Yeah. And then the headmistress starts taking the police uh, man into her office and turns him um, with a sort of saucy look on her face. <laughs> Um, and in case his parents want him to go see a professional um, and then headmistress yeah she gives him a little wink while he walks out and I kind of like this acknowledgement which yeah. again well because she tries yeah, to like, take his mom you know. and he's like no 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 you know and so yeah, there's yeah. this vibe of, I'll get, I'll get a therapy knows. don't worry yeah <laughs> he's like I'd rather go to therapist um, but yeah. it just it did seem really intense their parenting because he's obviously meant to be that arty uh, independent sort of kid and for his parents to be like, you told a lie. Yeah. You got the police involved. This is not okay. And then immediately his mom jumps on the psychiatric bandwagon and yeah. his dad's like, yeah, you're right. Totally. But at first his dad like pushes back. And so you, you think there's going to be that normal parenting where one is really intense and then yeah. the other one is like, ah, it's fine. But it. It's yeah, not that. Both, no, both it's of his that. parents his are so like, weird. Ashamed. Like, are we that family now where a kid needs therapy? And it's this weird match of, yeah. like, sort of, you could feel he wanted his kid to be in the football team kind of thing. Right. Because the coach then says, yeah, like, you'd like, be oh, a good right. runner. Yeah. You hear that? Like, you'd yeah. be a good runner. And yeah. But they just don't develop it enough for me to believe it. It's, yeah. It's just, with, yeah. A, with a kid like him, like, his entire character, you would imagine his parents, or at least one of them being equally as nerdy yeah so then taking it seriously when he's like there was a body in there and they're like you're being silly there was no body go see a psychiatrist yeah, it doesn't right. make sense um and then his parents take away his phone his music his internet which i was surprised he had in 98 and his poor mags um, <laughs> what's what's the line he says it's like no more beating the bishop or yeah something. Something. like wow i don't know that since the 90s that his dad is in a lot of stuff too though yeah. i recognized him from a lot of stuff and he's meant to play that sort of funny macho role he's in... terrifying in this he's huge <laughs> i found him more scary than anybody yeah. else in this movie. well at first when he walked in i didn't associate those people as elijah wood's parents i, I thought he, they were like yeah. detectives yeah or i something thought he was a detective in plain he, looks clothes. Like, he looks like a grizzled detective yeah. yeah so then when he says the line of like do you hear that you can be on the football team i was like that's kind of weird for a stranger to just yeah. tell <laughs> this kid because he's not going to be like, you don't know me, dude. But then you, obviously you see them later. And I was like, oh, those are his parents. I had no idea. So can anyone explain to me the rest of this scene? Because he gets taken in his room, gets all this stuff taken away from him. He then goes to immediately break out of his room. He programs something on his computer by just hitting the keyboard. Never A robot that. starts walking. <laughs> then nothing across happens. Across the keyboard. Yeah, across the keyboard. He then jumps out the window, sees some faculty members who then just disappear... Yeah. For no reason when they could have got him. And then his father comes out and brings him back in. And this entire scene might have just not happened. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand what he programmed. I don't understand what it was trying to tell us with the robot walking. Was it meant to be? I thought it was going to be like some extravagant Ferris Bueller shit. Right. Well, I think that that's what they were aiming for. And I don't know if something was edited out or, yeah, if they just really wanted to set him up as tech savvy because that's not really necessary for yeah, him. Yeah, you don't no, get any more tech stuff later. That later. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like, oh, okay, I've established now that he can do stuff can on a computer, even though I don't know what there, he yeah. can do. He can right. do something. The only thing I could think was 
in some of the previous ones, they have tried to set up your lead as someone who maybe isn't believable, but, and that's what I gathered from them having the faculty people kind of loom over him and then disappear is he's like, he's having this psychotic break and maybe we shouldn't trust him, but we've obviously already seen things that are like, it's definitely happening. (laughs) So I'm not sure. Yeah, there seemed like a very weird misdirection. I mean, I guess he's got to push that button later on on the bleachers. It takes a tech mind to work that one out. <laughs> no, it just takes somebody who knows how bleachers work. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got a note at this point in the movie where I'm like, this is not a great film, but it's moving at a good pacing, yeah. so I'm fine with it. Yeah, <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at <laughs> by this point in the movie. Yeah. Then we get some Creed music. I love how you had to ask if it was Creed. I'm like, this is obviously Creed. <laughs> we did not get Creed in the UK. Oh the gosh. only Creed song we really got was one that unfortunately I liked at the time because it was in the post credits of another Kevin Williams I think a slash movie. And I bought all these scores and, and soundtracks <laughs> in the 90s. Um, so I knew every song in this, this film very well. Uh, Casey goes to school, sees the coach speaking to his father, um, and he's not sure who to trust. And then Delilah turns up again. Apparently in disguise. <laughs> yes. My hair is in front of my face and I have red glasses on. I have it written down like literally scenes later. Of, is it meant to be a disguise? Because <laughs> she just, she looks. At least put her in a ball cap or something. Yeah. I mean, she literally I think it just a... like it tells you how idiotic she is. Yeah. She's like, you can't recognize me. I have nerdy glasses. And then she like, pulls like, her hair down. Are you an down. idiot? She's like, I'm incognito. <laughs> It's fucking ridiculous. It's really dumb. Absolutely. And she's just walking around the hallways like no one would notice. I know. (laughs) She's in a baggy shirt or something. That's it. You're not Clark Kent. You don't just put on glasses (laughs) and no one knows who you are anymore. Well, and then she even admits later that she does actually wear contacts. So it's like, those are your glasses. Yeah. Yeah. You're not even in disguise. But I think that's the problem. (laughs) That's just your nighttime look. (laughs) It's one of my biggest problems, particularly with the ending of this movie, which we will get to. But she's she's clearly like i think it's trying to insinuate in little shrugs that no she's not actually quite as vapid as she's meant to be she has to wear glasses and all these things like she's actually she pretends to be the pretty like cheerleader girl and they don't follow through with any of that stuff at all she still looked exactly the same it feels so obvious to have the role of well this is how i want to be because this is the real me but i'm not allowed to be socially in the school but they don't even follow through with that she's like no i'm really smart no one knows who i am (laughs) Such a dummy. Um, yeah, so they, they, the Tannoy system's calling in little students because the whole faculty is basically bringing people in one by one to change them at an accelerated rate. They're, all, they're starting to figure out what's going on. Uh, they're just trying to figure out how big it is, how far it reaches. And this is the first time I noticed just how boring the faculty office set is because we get a real wide on it and it looks like a horrible, yeah. <laughs> horribly boring <laughs> set. Um, and then, yeah, Mary Beth pushes Stokely into Stan and I was I the only one who this is the first scene where I realized that Stokely liked Stan. I had no idea. Like I think they maybe show her like looking at him. Yeah, right. In a different scene because they bump into each other in the very, very, very beginning. Right, but they're it's both a repeated like, theme. You know, each, I don't remember what comment she says to him, but they yeah, like yell at each him, other. Like, yeah, I don't notice any friction there at all in terms of her. Like even like you just need a second of her looking at him a little bit longer when he left or something. Yeah, right. Because this is the first scene. Was like, oh, she likes this guy i didn't wasn't getting that I, there was one i i think it was the first time they ran into each other he calls her a beast instead of calling her yeah. a bitch and yeah. i was like that's great <laughs> i don't like it because he, he's like you 
beast that and i'm like fully expecting like him to I say bitch i remember beast. it was great um yeah so this is what i was talking about earlier like there's the score in the scene in the um in one of the classrooms and then the teacher comes in and just pulls the headphones off of a random kid and oh, the score right. just stops second which i thought was really cool really bold but that music was reminding me a lot of scream and mm-hmm. i don't know if he was recycling a bit of scream and then he pulls off the head it was weird because that kid he's the one of the football players and you see him harass elijah wood at one point and you but at the beginning we get his name in a still frame do we yeah i don't remember what his name was but i remember seeing because i was like oh i i don't know who that person is i'm surprised he got a shot Unless I'm completely uh, you might mis- misremembering this. Because I wrote down but all I almost, the still friends that came yeah, up. You did? Yeah. Maybe I did misinterpret it or something. Because he keeps popping up and I was like, is he meant to be? He's in that shot. He's in the shot. But it's He's the one who gets his headphones pulled up. off. Yeah, you yeah, see yeah, him yeah. like take the mascot's head or whatever. I just almost distinctly remember. Anyway. Um, yeah. And I love this scene because you get him. Just the teacher just standing there going, Now we're gonna do family trees. If you can write down oh, yeah. everyone who lives in your house, everyone who lives near to you, everyone yes, he's like chugging water instead of drinking booze. Yeah, yeah, just this weird twitch with his eyebrow yeah. afterwards. Um, and this is also where we learn Mary Beth is allergic to aspirin, um, because she's hanging out with Zeke and he's trying to like talk about her drugs and they're going, Um, uh, oh no, we're not, not quite there, are they? Uh, but we realize that, yeah, she gets scared at his drugs and then Zeke starts coming on to her. And something weird's going on because they're starting to notice all these kids getting called into the office. And then absolutely one of my favorite scenes, we get outside in the quad where they're looking at people, seeing who's acting weird. And you got the girlfriend in the quad who's pushing her boyfriend around. <laughs> oh he just won't react and he's not... <laughs> you so see him funny. trying not to laugh, which he's is awesome. He's smirking like crazy it's in great. that scene. Because she's just pushing and pushing and, and like pushing him. his face yeah. and just like flying back and forth. Right, because so they've funny. been really violent with each other up to this point. You keep seeing them just like beating the shit out of each other she's in like, the hallway. say something, feel something, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> she's just smacking him. But I love that they clearly show him smirking. And then a few seconds later, you might find him scary because he's staring at Mary Beth and Z. <laughs> it's like we just saw you laughing in yeah. the last scene. Um, and then the guys that he normally sells drugs to, which are the dude you were talking about from yep. that seventy show, that seventy show, and then the guy from Days and Confused, they come up and they start asking for everything that he has, and he's looking suspiciously at them, kind of hides his pens in his pocket, mm-hmm. and then Miss Burke turns up again, no longer shy and shrewd, and she's now <laughs> confident and weirdly provocatively dressed in a red dress um yeah and i'm i have to say in this scene she just like tears zeke apart i remember watching this as a teenager it's josh hartnett i love him from halloween 7 like i was totally into him as a character this watching i have to say up until this point in the movie i don't like him and i'm really with her when she rips him apart in this scene i'm like yeah just he's a fucking little harsh for a teacher to be talking to a student this way in public he's treated her like it's unbelievable i agree unbelievably but you don't get to do this in front of everyone else he's like oh i'm not in the mood for this shit right now like and it's like you don't talk to a fucking teacher that way it's like (laughs) should be torn apart i feel like he would have talked to a teacher that way but i feel like he should have been called into an office (laughs) yeah (laughs) i agree i know i know he's a dickhead but like just absolutely screaming at him and telling him like oh your parents are never around because you're just a shitty kid and nothing will ever good will ever come from you and etc and it's just and then he but then he just shrugs it off like he doesn't even react yeah he's like she got some bad shit yeah (laughs) yeah um yes and then then we get our first reference to invasion of the body snatchers actually said out loud we have Mm -hmm. casey and uh stokely hanging out in the library um where they start very quickly 
putting together that aliens are taking over the school, or right. at least from Casey's point of view. Um, but she says that it doesn't bear any credence because the invasion of the body snatchers was stolen from the puppet masters, so they get to nod at the original. Um, and then Casey builds, uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, a case. case. Yeah. <laughs> for aliens having been on Earth for a long time and they invented science fiction as a genre in order to lull people into a full sense of security before they'd eventually take over the world. Yep. This is what he's saying, right? Yeah, basically. What I like about this is one of those ideas you might have like late at night and you think that's a brilliant one and then you wake up in the morning and you look at your notes yeah. and you're like, no, that's yeah, bad. Yeah, I was <laughs> crumble that up. And the fact that they talk about it and then she goes, I don't believe it, but that's a pretty cool idea. And you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's really dumb. Yeah. It's like, it's got the like yeah suggestion of a good idea but the idea of like yeah all all of these stories came from something essentially it's like well what if the body snatchers and he's not even read it she just mentions it once he's like what if body snatchers that writer actually had that happened to him in his small town yeah and he wrote an account on it and it's very night of the living dead yeah um but it is like the, uh, the what i did like about it is that they you know he asks what happened to that author like what happens at the end and she's like well they win like everybody dies um and they all just become these things and it was interesting because no one at the up until this point have really discussed the aftermath um Mm -hmm. or really approached it besides in the the previous one they sort of touch on retribution and like retaliation um so it kind of does set you up to think that they're being ingenious enough that maybe that they will fight back which was... But I think the the other, the problem with this scene though is that she she's talking about the book, and yeah. in the book they don't win, the humans right. win, and the aliens go away again. And in the fifties film, the aliens go away again, don't they? Yeah. But yeah, because they defeat them with the FBI. Right. So it feels like someone like me who had watched the seventies film really enjoyed it, and then felt like they'd read the book and got a completely different ending so when she's saying that whole thing about the aliens always win like nope not in the book you're referencing yeah. very directly i don't know with puppet masters so maybe they do it maybe one, yeah um so yeah but then casey stokely delilah and stan team up and we start to get the group forming um and they go to the fish thing that he has found uh, which has now disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zeke and Mary Beth, who are making out in the supplies closet, uh, they hear the other four through the vent system. Talking about how the teachers are aliens. <laughs> yep. Decide to go and join this in this conversation. Pull a prank on them. Yep. In a scene which can only exist as a writer being like, fuck, our characters are in different locations. How do we yeah. get them together? Vent system. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those things which is like this. I've never had this work in my life where you can. And sometimes you can hear people if you're in a house, sort of mumbling. Yeah, but yeah. you can't hear articulated words. Right. It's particularly in a school. But interestingly, Zeke, when he comes in, he has a very body snatchers scream to him. Yeah. When he pops in, which I thought was cool. Yeah. So that was fun. Um. Yeah, and then we do get like a, a bit of dialogue that I like when they're like, well, why would you do it in Ohio? That's ridiculous. Right. And he says, if you're going to take over the world, would you blow it up the White House Independence Day style or would you sneak in through the back door? Um, which I feel that's the most valid explanation they've given for anything happening in this yeah. film so far. Um, and yeah, and they say Ohio. Which, yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely right from the very beginning. I was like, this is so Texas football, yeah. like Friday Night Lights yeah. completely. And it's 
I mean, maybe to someone who hasn't lived in Austin, you wouldn't notice. Yeah, because even but the house feels very. Yeah, when you see them look very. And I even noted that because I had made a bunch of comments like, "If this is not a Texas high school, I don't know what is." And then right. later on, they say Ohio, and I was like, "Oh, that's weird." I just don't know why <laughs> um, it would need to be Ohio. I mean, all yeah. I can guess is that was left over from the original script when they didn't know Robert Rodriguez yeah. was going to shoot it. Or maybe it. they're like, "It sounds small." Right? Yeah, I guess they just wanted to go town. for more. Yeah, Texas sounds too big. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But Texas has plenty of little towns in Texas. On this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but then the John Stewart comes in and a fight breaks out and Zeke cuts his fingers off. I love how quickly Zeke goes from not believing them to ripping off the blade in a what do you call those <laughs> things? Paper the cutter, paper yeah. cutter, paper cutter, and just fucking Very easily. Hack. By the way, oh yeah, he it's pulls a cool that off shot. And I was like, mm. yeah, it's a cool <laughs> shot. Then he's got like a machete. And he just and it's like he does it like oh it's my go-to whenever I get in shit I just rip off the fucking blade (laughs) off a paper because those things are like dinosaurs I remember them from my school and hey yeah they could easily have cut your fingers off but like to get that like that out and especially from that angle that he does it because he would have been pulling it and like flinging it out to pull the screw out or whatever and I was like it's fucking great not gonna happen I like the shot of Stan throwing it to him yeah he just like looks like a badass he just like. Yeah. grabs it and swings it yeah like that was pretty cool mm-hmm. well done good choreography there yeah and then he fun. just stabs um john stewart in the eye with one of his drug pens just by reflex basically and we get a scene with the fingers wriggling along the floor yeah <laughs> very unconvincing effects yeah. to me which seems to be as i was wondering if they were going to go like evil dead with it for a second but they don't um they're much more uh like slivers or shivers kind right. of style just these bugs crawling around but this is the first point where I start to like Zeke because I'm like, okay, now he has a purpose in the mm-hmm. film. Yeah. He's the guy who's going to propel the action forward because he just doesn't give a shit. Yep. <laughs> Whereas everyone else will be thinking. Um, and then they realize, yeah, that the drugs fucked up the teacher and killed them. Um, and pretty quickly, they put everything together. <laughs> in, yeah. Which, to be honest, again, happened in the 70s film. It just depends how well can you get through that scene where you have to move the story forward. You can't have them taking ages to figure it all out. Yeah, you have to get everyone on board pretty rapidly yeah um and in this one they just do it in kevin williams style they finish the scene with them all like looking at the teacher and someone says this is usually the point where someone says let's get the fuck out of here and <laughs> someone says let's get the fuck out of here yeah <laughs> very self-referential very kevin williams uh, but we're 58 minutes into the film at this point and we got the whole group together and we now have the forward to thrust of the rest of the movie it's a good thing that they only had this many people in their group or they would not have fit in josh hotnett's car that is yeah. true. Do you reckon that was... Yeah, that's a very good point. Because even when they're like, he's like, we'll take my car. I'm like, how many people can you fit in your car? And I was like, oh, you can fit five. And they just like perfectly fit in there. I love his car. I know. Well, 1970 GTO. There's six of them. Or there's six. Yeah, because they have three in the front. Okay, so yeah. they have the middle yeah. part. Okay. Someone's, that makes someone's sense got the uncomfortable like gear shift. In someone's there, riding but. bitch. <laughs> Probably Elijah would. <laughs> and then they walk through the school. Everyone's looking uniform. It's clear pretty much everyone's been changed. And they're it's all a cool, like, act them. normal walk. Yeah. Like, they're they're trying to be as stiff yeah. as possible. That's, you know, again, a, a callback to the originals, which I But liked. it's also, they kind of remedy something that does that I love in the originals, but bothers me in lore, which is that they can pretend to be body snatchers, mm-hmm. which never makes sense to me in the previous films, but I like the scenes it gives us. In this one, it's made pretty clear they all know that they haven't been turned. Like, just by looking at them, they can tell you're not one of us. Right. And they do seem to have more of that hive mind thing going on. Um, They, yeah, all they get into Zeke's car and take off. We get that great banner in the background saying, Miso Hornet. (laughs) (laughs) For the football team. Yep. (laughs) You just made me chuckle. 
Uh, and then they realize that all the radio stations are down. So this is our first time where we realize, oh, it's not the school. <clears throat> this is the whole town. Yeah. Um, but we don't really get anything else about the town, do we? Yeah, we no. don't you get, get the police being changed at the very beginning. That's true. So but you assume it. he'll get the other That's where it went from, I guess, the thing. police like, yeah. spreading outwards. But yeah, we don't, don't see parents. I kept expecting his parents to turn, Elijah Wood's parents to turn up again. Um, yeah. And you don't. Just driving through the streets, I expected maybe something would happen because they do paint this idea of, yeah, the whole town has changed. Mm-hmm. But no, we're just concentrating on school the whole time. Yeah, because the only time you see interaction outside, well, because they show the police doing basically like pullovers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you assume that they're like using that to funnel anyone who's driving in or out to get them. Um, But again, Josh Hartnett is like, like, fuck this. Kind of figures that out. And you're just supposed to take his rebelliousness against authority as like, I do what I want anyway, and I never go through these things. So, yep, yep. Um, we've already established that his parents aren't around a couple of times, so they head there, uh, where he has a science lab in his garage. <laughs> um, and they discover that he uses caffeine pills to make his drugs. I get confused with this stuff. So he's taking the caffeine pills, breaking them into powder. He says later some other household shit. Right. Yeah. But he needs a hundred beakers and distillers and this ridiculous cartoonish Dexter's laboratory kind of style setup right to make basically which he never uses you never see him use it no Mm -mm. they show it like individual shots of like liquid dripping into yeah. the beaker and they're like look he does science and, it's ridiculous. Science. <laughs> and they do it purely because then you he's gonna like in, use the, the little bug thing to put it into a mouse mm-hmm. to then kill it to then open it up and see what's going on inside and mm-hmm. what exactly happens and i feel the beakers are just look he's a scientist let's right move on. <laughs> he does other things that we can't go into right now i'm surprised he didn't put on a white lab coat i know <laughs> well he puts on glasses which <laughs> yeah. apparently is the go-to oh you're smart now <laughs> that's the only time and then even when he pulls the glasses back in a very cool guy way he like fixes his hair to make sure he's still <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. so funny uh, and then we have to establish that he has a gun. Um, so we know that's going to come in useful at some point. Uh, now, again, I might have blinked here. They bring out the creature to put it into the mouse. Where did they get this creature from? Was it one of the fingers? From the classroom. He picks it up before they leave the classroom and saves it. And so it's one right. of the fingers. Yeah. yeah. Or no, he scoops it out of the... I think Casey scoops it out of the tank. Because it wasn't put, in the tank anymore. There was nothing in the tank. They go in there and the tank's empty. He grabbed... I remember someone grabbing it yeah. off of the floor or something before they left. Okay. To bring so it was meant to be one Casey of the fingers does, yeah. from the teacher. So. Something, yeah. Because I missed that and I was really confused. I was like, wait, yeah. where did they get Because it's all dried up yeah, by the time they get it. get one of them. Okay. Um, so yeah, then they try it out on the on the creature. The red tendrils come out. Sorry, on the on the mouse. Um, and then he opens it up, and they find the full slug thing is inside mm-hmm. the mouse, which is a little strange. And he posits that the parasite needs a host, and it needs something moist. Um, and the drug that they used worked because it dehydrates and kills the creature, which, which I'm fine with this. Yeah. Before this point, I had been noting about. I don't understand why the other teacher, it took so long for her to change, the one that was in the shower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everyone else seems to turn very quickly. Like Salma Hayek's character, like within seconds, walks out of the office and they're like, no, look, she's fine. She's right there. And mm-hmm. then everyone's pretty quick. But then they do acknowledge it by saying, oh, I don't know. She was too they, old. She was too, too old, old, so, so she was dry already now. dry. And shriveled yeah, up she's anyway. all shriveled up. They're like, oh, no, it didn't take to her. She's not moist enough. She's like in her 80s. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which, yeah, at least they do try and explain it. Yeah. Guess, but it's yeah. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a I lot mean, of this but film. They, they give you the answers. So, the answers are yeah. just dumb a lot. Of that's the time. fine. As long as you're like aware that that's going to be a question people have. I thought it was cool too, though, cause, because of the fact that the antidote is essentially caffeine pills. So it's this whole... Not, not no one saying like can't go to sleep, but it's something that keeps you awake. Yeah, that's true. So that was cool too. So yeah. they're definitely trying to have fun and like mix different ideas in together. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But I thought this one did. One time it doesn't for me is the the next bit where you have this huge leap of faith where I don't even understand how it happened. Where they decide that there's a leader of the parasites that you have to kill. Yeah. They just make this massive... Well, she doesn't she say that yeah. happens in the story? Stokely says that it happens yeah. in the book. That that's how yeah. you... In the Puppet Masters. Yeah. Not yeah. in Body Snatchers. Not in Body Correct. Snatchers. Okay, so we need yeah. to watch this Puppet Masters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just such a massive leap of like yeah. faith. And they keep occasionally shrugging off. Well, we don't know for sure if this will work or not. But, but... They, she says that when she tells that theory. She's like, well, in, in theory, like in the book, you have to kill the queen. Like there's a leader... And once you kill that, because they're all connected, it will affect, it'll like go down the line and return everyone to normal sort of thing. Um, That's when she and Delilah are both like challenging each other. Right. They keep being like in theory, very sassily back and forth to each other. Because Delilah is making fun of her because she's like, oh, we're basing all of this on her stupid book that she read and she's crazy and who believes a lesbian? Because the lesbians are just apparently really dumb. Yep. Which I just... I guess I'm just finding it hard still to attach to this whole yeah. science fiction was based on truth idea that they kind of try and source right. in that one scene. So I'm, I'm with all the other stuff. That to me is just kind of... I know that whole argument of, yeah, but it has fiction. It's fiction. Yeah. And then he's like, but it says science. Yeah, like, no, but no, he's like, Schindler's List was fiction. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we get a recreation of a great scene from a much better movie. Uh, called The Thing, where oh, yeah. Josh Hartnett decides that they have to um, try the drug on each of them because he has enough of a supply at that point. Um, so they're passing around the drug for each of them to get high and make sure that they don't dissolve. Um, they'll, Ali, you haven't seen The Thing, have you? Mm-mm. It's great. Uh, yeah, this is a very classic horror scene. Um, and this is a definite, definite, definite purposeful throwback to it. They actually throw back to that film again later on, uh, mm-hmm. less successfully. Um <laughs> But yep, it's a scene that worked very well in any iteration of the thing, and it works okay here. I think. Yeah, yep. Um, I like the added thing of they're taking drugs, so they just start getting giggly. I, they don't necessarily do it in the best way. I don't know if I believe Elijah Woods ever taking yeah. drugs from the yeah. way he's acting. Okay, <laughs> but it's um, at least adds like having the humor with the tension. I think it's kind of yeah. fun. I feel this scene kind of sums up everything the movie's trying to do. Also, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie was when uh, the bitchy girl is yelling at her boyfriend because she's like, "What? how do we know you're not an alien? And, you know, all of a sudden you want to be this academic and you've only ever been a football player. And he's like, I'm not an alien. I'm discontent. (laughs) And it's wonderful. It's like there's so many good, fun lines in this film. Uh, So then we eventually get down to just Delilah and Mary Beth. Um, Mary Beth is saying, I can't. I'm allergic. Delilah said, yeah, and I'm Portuguese. Yeah. Really? I don't remember that. No sense. (laughs) hilarious we just don't understand but fair enough uh, <laughs> and then delilah's yeah refusing to take it mary beth is allergic so you really pulled it down to between these two probably one of them's been turned um everyone's tweaking and giggling uh so they do it at the same time um delilah has an immediate reaction and we can see the bugs in her face 
Uh, but we don't actually see Mary Beth take it, so I don't really know. We well, get she, she does this like mm, thing. Yeah, I watched this very carefully because obviously I knew which way it was going, so I was interested to see how they play the scene out. Mm-hmm. And you don't see her do it. She just throws her head back. Right. Yeah. They show it, it later in a very contrived noise. way of how she faked <laughs> taking it. Yeah. But you never even saw her take it anyway. So as far as I'm yeah. concerned, all she had to do was delay a split second for Delilah like, to have a reaction. It. Well, yeah. she tells her head back she could just move it on the other side of her yeah. nostril. Then she just, just needs to wait for Delilah to distract them. Basically. It's like yeah. when you she don't knows. want to take a shot and people are like, do the shot, do the shot. And you're just like, <laughs> throw it over whoop. your shoulder. Well, is it also weird in this scene because they play it like that and you have to look at these scenes where different people are it's changed. Like they know we've already established they can tell who's changed. Mm-hmm. She's the queen, um, as we find out later. And Delilah would know that she's the queen. Right. So surely Delilah would sacrifice herself for the queen. I don't Except know. she's a bitch and she Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she unruly. wants to be the queen. Okay. Although if they kill the queen then she's gone right. too, so yeah i don't know so you really think she would just like purposely take it first or, or maybe just... like the whole rule is self-preservation like you or maybe, need to extend to be honest, it maybe it's possible. the best way because if 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 delilah had gone first she would have taken it turn they would have killed her and then it would say now you have to fucking take right. it to Mary so it maybe did like the create the diversion that she needed to not have to take it yeah yeah uh yeah and then we get a weird sort of shrug to the 93 version where she said there's nowhere to go there's yeah. nowhere to hide yeah. we're everywhere um, still kind of like her delivery better no no <laughs> yeah. fucking way it was dreadful it was pretty bad <laughs> i don't think jordana brewster is a great actress to be honest. no um and delilah runs and jumps in the car that's waiting with the the well, you driver's ed teacher, they yeah. show that okay. side of the house, and you're like, uh oh, someone's here. But it's the, you don't even know who that teacher is. It's the driver's ed teacher that we haven't even met. Oh, yeah, really? it says student driver yeah. on top of the car. Yeah, because you only see this person in profile, and I was like, we don't even know who that is. Yeah, and I don't know why they'd be waiting. I don't know. And maybe it's the whole queen mentality. Like if she got into trouble, they were there to get her away. Hmm. I'm not, I and I feel there's enough of them like if they know like the queen's there that person's waiting outside right they've turned the town right surely they can just siege just five kids yeah. and take them out like I don't but understand but I think it was the whole like maybe they had to find out how much of the drug he had in his right lab well, just don't go in that lab <laughs> basically yeah but fine. in order to swarm take like they would him. have been taking the chance that maybe he had a ton like a right, stock right. of it and he could have wiped them out well this is something and we'll get to it in a minute when we hit the ending but i'm interested with mary beth because i feel like she does have ulterior motives she does seem genuinely attracted to josh mm-hmm. hartnett she does seem to actually want to make out with him and mm-hmm. you know i know why wouldn't she have just taken him there yeah she had him in like the privacy literally in with room. her tongue in yeah. his mouth <laughs> um but we can get to that in a minute when we hit the very end um mary beth comes out giggling which is a good thing for the audience because it obviously throws you off of her scent um even though it it does sorry it does put a splinter in your reaction between the two of them because yes obviously josh hartnett is taking this mind-altering drug but if you knew this girl that you were into could potentially die because she says this thing like oh that shit would kill me you know if i'm allergic to aspirin but then to have then forced her into doing it anyway you're like, well, then he can't really care about her that much. Yeah, no, completely. So it kind of does put this. Yeah, scene. he's like, you should fucking take it. Like it, it just be he fine. becomes this dude yeah. that you don't like again. Yeah, they're which, on edge though. Yeah, which make like I think they do a good job of which I haven't seen the thing, so I don't know. I'm sure 
if it's better or not. Worse. Oh, much better. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but it may, it makes total sense that they'd be like, well, everyone's acting different. How do we know right. who anybody but is? But I fully expected it to to scan back to her and she's having a seizure or something. Yeah. You know, something where it was, we have to take her to a hospital. Or she like, we have to, goes outside and just, throws up or yeah, something. Yeah, I would have expected yeah. her to have a more adverse reaction. Yeah. And when instead you're like, oh, she's had the same reaction as everyone else. So... I don't know. It makes I it was, more suspicious in one way. But, yeah. did, but did either of you then pick up on it? Did you think that she might be one of them or the queen? Or? I, I found her suspicious from the get-go because she just kept turning up in weird places. Right. And she kept trying to make friends with just random people and was like too nice. <laughs> like, and why? Yeah, it was just not even if you're the new girl do you try this hard the first day that you're in a new yeah. school. But you she's like, from Alabama. Well. Yeah, but still. <laughs> she's just making friends with weird people. So, yeah. Okay. Um, they decide they got to go kill the queen, um, but they don't have much stash left, so they head over to the game to try and find, they presume it's the headmistress, which right. this is a weird thing because we know as an audience it's not her mm-hmm. because we saw when she got turned in the opening sequence. Right. So how does that play for you guys? Like when you know they're essentially trying to do something that we know is not going to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a weird thing, I feel, because there's not much tension then for the audience because like, well, we already know we're wasting time. with. Yeah, but I think that's the point is they're trying to get you to like scream at your tv screen or the movie and be like that's wrong like don't go there don't right. you know, okay. don't it's waste like in any horror drug. film when you're like why are you walking into the dark hallway you know something yeah. bad is there yeah plus it's a normal i think if you're thinking in their line of or their line of thinking yeah it's the kids in high school immediately like well who's in charge it's the principal mm-hmm. and they as far back as they know she was the first one yeah i understand from that perspective right. i'm just saying from a cinematic perspective but yeah if it works that way then because it would sure. have been weird if they would have assumed it was someone else because you're like how did they get to that conclusion because yeah. they don't know anything about what else happened yeah, yeah. i the think only... in the audience well, in mind it's supposed to you're supposed to think or be leaning towards football coach because he's the right. first one at the school. That's kind of what I thought as I was like, oh, you're choosing. But the, the audience, wrong you see him in the opening scene with the shadow of him. Yeah, you see yeah. someone else like, turned him. To but... So we know there's a mystery person. We just yeah. don't know who it is right. yet. Um, and that's why they give us as many of an ensemble cast, I guess. Like... Right. But then we just had a bunch of people prove that they're not. So we know it can't be any of our, what we think we know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we get, we get the cover of Brick in the Wall again is playing at a football game, just a hammer at home. And yeah, we see them taking over people from the game. I had a note here of where to get the slugs from, but I thought you guys have now clarified that a little bit for me that they create the slugs mm-hmm. yeah. in themselves because that was confusing me. Um, so yeah, then the, uh, the the headmaster comes to find him in the gym and they abduct her. Are you just going to skip bit. the slow mo fireworks shot of Coach in that game? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that they even have ground fireworks at a football game in Podunk, Ohio, but that he's just like perfectly backlit. He's like, yeah, yeah, because he's not yelling at anyone. His players are like screaming and he's just like everything is perfect and it's just this beautiful <laughs> firework shots behind him that is a great shot. it was amazing i was laughing so hard it's almost as good as the line when the headmaster comes in and they say sniff this yeah <laughs> and then she refuses and i go well, now what oh, <laughs> no. shit now we have to shoot her it's like it's it can like, only be taken in her nose. It's like she has eyeballs. She has yeah. a mouth. Yeah. I mean, Casey's definitely not willing to stab no. someone. No. It's fucking hilarious. I love yeah. that. Sniff this. Sniff this. Um, so it's like, go on. So Zeke, of course, just shoots her in the head. Because yeah. apparently he doesn't care about homicide either. Yeah. Uh, she comes back to life and Mary Beth throws the stash all over her. 
uh, which kills her. This for me is your first. It's coming. I can't remember the first time I saw it if I guessed Mary Beth. Mm-hmm. I don't think I did. Um, but this is definitely your first huge signifier. She literally wastes pretty much all of all their of stash it, yeah. Yeah. Um, to kill this one character. And we have a cool melted face. Mm-hmm. One of the ickiest. Well, probably the ickiest bit, I think, yeah. in the film. Um, and then it begins raining outside, so everyone leaves the game and they can't tell if it worked or not. Um, Stokely decides, <laughs> makes out with Stan just before Stan decides to go just and check on the football team. Yeah. And she just makes out. I wanted. I wanted to make sure. In I case did I that. don't get another chance. <laughs> I love Zeke. I love the yeah. Josh Hartnett's little laugh when you pan to him afterwards. Yeah, I even made like, a note at this point because you yeah you get Elijah Wood kind of like <laughs> like this thing and then you yeah you pan to Josh Hartnett who's like just kind of giggling as well and I was like this is such a great rapport between your actors because it's so believable. Yeah, they're like not quite friends, but they're not really like not friends and so they're like at this awkward point of just like everyone gonna acknowledge how dumb that was like yeah. this great like how you were as kids as teenagers in yeah. high school i thought that was a really good scene yeah it's one of my favorite character moments to be yeah. in the film um yeah he runs out in the rain he finds coach and the team standing in the rain uh with like lightning going and the skulls are kind of showing under their skin yeah anytime there's lightning you Tendrils see the, like the out. same teeth come through yeah. that was yeah. in the tank uh, yeah, weird imagery. And then Mary Beth has the line, geez, I wish I'd never come here, which is just before you get the proper reveal, but they're really trying to like give you all the hints now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it interesting as well. I missed the second part of that line, um, but she says, yeah, geez, I wish I'd never come here. And it's, it's, I don't know. I just want to mean, there's something going on with her as the queen. And she talks a little bit more about it later on as well. Yeah. In terms of, she does have emotions. She's not this cold thing. She has ideas and feelings and mm-hmm is potentially even enjoying this adventure hanging out with these people right even though they're killing her yeah it's weird though isn't it because she's watching them kill her own yeah and she could easily at any point just turn around and take them all out she could just go open the doors let the football team in let the town in right at any point in this film and she doesn't do that right so you're kind of like i feel when you have someone undercover it's like they need to be undercover for a reason right i don't know what her reason is yeah other than curiosity She's already gotten rid of all the drugs, so they don't have anything in that gym on them. Yeah. And the entire football team's out there, so they're outnumbered for sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, and then Stam comes back. He had the... Uh, uh, well, no, they have one like, last drug, I think, don't they? Because then they pass it to Stan because they like, tell him he has to, ch- ch- to prove before he can oh, come yeah. back in, which is the dumbest decision in the world because either he takes it and he's not one, in which case you've used it. all of your stash, or he does what he does, which is tip it out and you've wasted your stash like, and uh-huh. he's evil. Yeah. So it's just like, well, either way, it sucks. Right. <laughs> yeah, but there was really no other way of establishing yeah. him at that point as yes just leave or him no. outside and if he's not, then I'd he gets I'd bring him turned. in and lock him in a room. <laughs> I would just feel like, all right, you can come in, but you're staying in there. Yeah, here's your cage. You're not allowed to leave. Right. Um, but yeah, he disposes of the drug. They've got no more. Um, and then he starts doing the, the body snatches sort of trope of it's so much better. There's no fear or pain. It's You'll beautiful. Be You'll, be, You'll be beautiful. Yeah. Even though you may be a lesbian, you'd be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and sadly, it's like that's the only line. That's the line that only could be used on her because she's like the least attractive of all the people there, but still not like dismally ugly or unattractive Mm -hmm. and he's already shown interest in her and didn't throw up after she made out with him so it's like (laughs) you know she there's like i don't know it just i liked the line but i also thought it was like a weird delivery for a high school 
full trope. It also doesn't work in this film because they're yeah. using Body Snatcher's lines and she says it later in terms of you don't feel fear, you don't feel anger. It's like they feel anger. Like they yeah. are getting pissed yeah. off. The coach is very angry yeah. still. And then like even in this scene, he says like you don't feel fear. He doesn't say the word anger in this scene, but he's connotations of you don't feel emotions anymore. Mm -hmm. And then he slams against the door in frustration. Cause yeah, it's like, yeah. it doesn't work with what you're saying. You're mixing, the Terminator run. <laughs> yeah. You're mixing your new law with your with the old law and it doesn't work. Right. The other reason it kind of bothered me, which this is one of the main things that like made me angry or made me question it, is they he says, you'll be beautiful, basically leading up to the whole, everyone will be the same and everyone can feel the same and there's no war there's no anger which obviously there is and there's no love all of that but after they turn all of the teachers immediately are like being made up to be more attractive yeah, so their hair is done well yeah. and they're super sexual they have a ton of makeup on and so it's like oh well once you turn you become beautiful instead of it being more of a mental thing like well no we get rid of all of these things that make you see that yeah right? it doesn't make sense no i agree it's weird yeah. yeah, the amount of makeup on that teacher when she comes back in that it's morning ridiculous. is crazy. It's like you could just yeah, scrape her like nails down their face on. and have it in your hands. Yeah. It's yeah. gross. Um, it's not like you become more beautiful. You just get a bigger budget for yeah, makeup. No, we'll just, yeah. we'll, you'll or have we just give you a makeover. makeover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then Zeke realizes that he's possibly got more skag in his trunk, so him and Casey head out. It becomes like a siege film at this point, yeah. which they don't do enough with it because the football team aren't really trying to get inside. But that's the vibe I'm getting now. They're now locked in one place, which is the like basketball, what do you call it? The gymnasium. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then the football team's outside looking for them as they're moving from place to place. And, and Elijah Woods says, will it really take two of us to get to your car? And, and Josh Harness says, no, one of us is a decoy. Um, and then we get this kind of cool scene, I guess, where Delilah then comes in and attacks Elijah Wood in the in the school bus, mm -hmm. and he climbs out of the roof. But again, he is get... not tall enough to reach no. that. No, <laughs> not strong enough <laughs> to up, pull uplift. his body up. Nah, that, no way. But um, the it again starts to go into this whole: you won't feel love, you won't feel anything. But she even says, like, you can have me right here. Like, you can, she's very sexual toward him. Yeah. And has this thing where it's like, if you turn, then we can have sex. And it's like, but you guys don't have sex. Like, you shouldn't be. You guys shouldn't have that need or that emotion. Yeah. yeah. And so there is this very, like, trying to mix hormonal urges with the lore that they're trying to establish here. I feel she's just lying to him, though. But it's just like, again, like the 93 ones, how dumb do you think people are? Yeah. Like, I get that teenagers are dumb and they want to have like, sex. Oh, but... but sex, that sounds great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just... <laughs> I feel even Elijah Wood in this film would not be that stupid. Um, yeah, he runs onto the onto the roof and then tries to escape. And Zeke uh, is the one... Because it's kind of weird. He plays it as if Zeke is going to say Elijah Wood's going to be the decoy. Mm -hmm. But then it makes it look like, no, Zeke was actually the decoy. And then it flips that on his head again. And yeah. Zeke is the one who's going to the car. Um, and then we get this weird scene as he fights Miss Burke, who's he's through the window and drives his beautiful car into a bus. And it I blows know. up on contact. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah, they had money. Combustible <laughs> bus. Well, let's blow some shit up. Um, and he's got a stash of three more of the drugs. Um, and then we get our second the thing nod as her head that's been severed from the explosion <laughs> grows tentacles, CGI tentacles in this, not cool yeah. spider leg ones like the thing, um, and crawls back to her body to like yeah. reattach. And, and he's like, fuck this. It's kind of funny yeah, when her body is like looking moment. for it. It's also very evil dead with her headless body kind yeah. of feeling around for yeah. things. 
He's such a badass up until this point, though, or at least that's like what he's putting on. So I love that he like looks at it and he's like, no fucking way and just bolts <laughs> and he's like fuck that i'm not handling that right now yeah. and runs back to be with the other people there's the fact that he doesn't even sprint back he kind of saunters back yeah <laughs> there's this very relaxed like, way that scene i ends, can't deal with this right like, now. Eh, i'll just like jog off yeah <laughs> um yeah so uh yeah stokely and mary beth are chatting she says end of invasion uh invasion of the body snatchers and she said the one thing they got right is that we win and then we get to reveal that Mary Beth was the queen the whole time. Bum, bum, bum. Um, and she turns into a huge tentacle monster. Yep. Great. Why didn't you do that earlier? Right. <laughs> uh, Ali, did you see it coming then? At this point, yeah. Not as early as I think. Like, I didn't catch on or think about it at all when she, at the point that she was dumping the drugs on the principal. Yeah. But then once it's just the two of them sitting there talking, I was like... There's a weird scene to come for you. Yeah. yeah. In horror films, whenever you have a scene, it's just two people talking, there's no music. You're like, well, something's, something's about, about to happen. Something's about, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, and they run into the swimming pool and it rushes through the water. I remember when I first saw this, this was definitely, for me, the most effective uh, action-y scene, mm-hmm. just because it looks so cool, it going under the water. It's a good use of CGI and pros- like real prosthetics pushing the water up yeah, and spraying. Yeah. Right when they ran in there, though, I was like, "Why? You? That's the like w- biggest thing that you know about them. Why right. are you running into the pool?" Yeah. But I guess at that point, if you're running, you can't really turn back around and be yeah, like, "Oh, like, never oh, mind, never bad right. idea. Turn, go that way. We're gonna head left, <laughs> and then you can follow yeah. us." Exactly. <laughs> uh, so they hide in the locker room, and then it turns back into Mary Beth, albeit naked. <laughs> By the um, way, before we jump to that, did you notice in the swimming pool that there is a huge mural on the side of the wall that's a squid? Oh, that's really? Like ah. swimming in the water. I thought that was so cool because it it's like that? this tiled mosaic y squid mural on mm. the wall. And I was like, ah, oh, that's so cool. I did not notice that. <laughs> I even put like, haha, in my notes. Yeah, so I mean. You know, I guess it's become an invasion of body snatchers trope now. You have to have a naked girl walking around at the end, even if it's just for a few seconds. Here it's for a whole scene. Um, I suppose it serves a purpose in terms of she would be naked, I guess, if she turned into the creature and then yeah. back out again. And but then, then she's not later when she goes back and forth, right? Uh, yeah, she no, she is. No, no, she she's is? naked like the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then she just turns back into the tentacle creature again. Mm-hmm. And it serves for a comedy moment as well with Josh Hart. And it was like, why are you naked? Yeah, where <laughs> yeah he's like, she's like, no, it's, she's the one you don't trust. And he's like, answer this for me. Um, yeah, but again, let's... when you get to that controversial scene of them, no, it's her, no, it's her, no, it's her. Why would Stokely not be sacrificing herself? Because yeah. it's later revealed that Stokely's changed somehow, yeah. where yeah. we don't know. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like, yes, I understand the need for that scene of confusion, but you you can't accomplish it. Yeah, with it what makes you're trying you to think set up. that like they also still feel selfishness, where they're like, well, right. I don't want to die. Yeah, yeah like, so I want to stay here. I'm not going to sacrifice right. myself. We'll just try and pull this off. It yeah. doesn't seem to work with anything else we're no. seeing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's definitely modeled. Um, yeah purely for the audience rather than the narrative mm. um, but what I do like about this is yeah because then they Stokely has turned they lock her in like a cage and we're left with just Zeke and Casey and I kind of like this duo as an ending I'm like okay yeah. just those two left it's kind of cool and I'm interested mm-hmm. in that as a finale I'd actually forgotten exactly what happened at the end I remember vague scenes so it's kind of hoping at this point for cool I want to see them either run away together or like you know manage to kill her I didn't want the reset button. I'd forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I like this idea of just like they're the two survivors and yeah. if you'd had a sequel just Hartnett and Elijah Wood on the road or yeah. something it would be pretty <laughs> fucking cool yeah uh, but that's not what we get because Zeke is knocked out immediately <laughs> and there's this one scene where one of them is hiding I think it's uh Casey's character and you see this very evident because we've had this conversation with the past ones where like is there this telekinesis is there this uh or telepathy um sort of vibe and Stokely at one point is in the cage and she's like they're over here and she has to yell it to this thing and it's like so what are the benefits of this alien like there aren't really any that I've seen other than you get a makeover tentacles you get tentacles and a makeover blow out your hair and you wear lots of makeup we get a lot of tentacle shadows in this scene which is kind of cool I kind of like that I like Zeke making Casey take the drug again though yeah he's like I'm gone for five minutes. I come back and everyone's a fucking That's alien. That's true. Take the drugs. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh. They keep using up okay. all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Again, though, you're like, you're just it trying to get it down. It you would want. Right. Yeah. Like, they would be like, I can't trust anybody. But it's anybody. also like, do you want your one ally to be fucked up on yeah. drugs? Yeah. When he's I know. trying to fight. Because it doesn't affect him again after this no. point. He's not like, hee hee, you're naked. Yeah. And he's fine. He kind of like blinks a bit and he's like, oh, yeah. woozy. And then he's fine. I know. I thought yeah, we were going to get some bounces just like, it out. Boobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah. That would have been really funny. If he just uh, finds that's the appropriate time to go masturbate somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been hilarious. Or he's like, I'm naked too. <laughs> just goes streaking. That would have been great. It would have been amazing. He's like, come on, man. Now it's not a good he's time like, to God trip. damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we do get, this is the scene of where we do get her Mary Beth kind of trying to explain a bit more she's like it came from my planet it dried up like we mm-hmm. have beautiful oceans all this stuff you know and they get a bit into that loneliness kind of thing i guess it's tying into the crusoe robinson crusoe thing we had earlier sort of maybe it was more to do with her than with them mm. um and i think like she did have this whole thing about she kind of she seems to insinuate she enjoyed hanging out with them yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is weird like, why can't we be friends um and she wants them to come over to her side and they don't want to essentially like fuck it she does say the line know a world without anger in this bit for sure and yeah that was where i was like nope there's definitely anger yeah um and then yeah there's a cool shot as he's running around in slow motion and the tentacle monster's throwing all the lockers mm-hmm. they're all getting tipped over one by one definitely their biggest sort of money shot i feel corners him uh, he takes it into the bleachers, hits the mechanism, traps it Terminator 1 style. Um, so it's reaching out and then, what the fuck, I've forgotten what the line is. He says it's a bad one-liner and then stabs At- it in the eye. Oh, <gasps> what is he You say? wouldn't have liked it anyway, but I thought he said that after he stabs her. No, something he, he said just before he stabs yeah, her. Yeah, he really says something. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Um, yeah, stabbed in the face. I'm really digging this creature when you get the prosthetic versions of it. Um, and it makes sense. It was Greg Nicotero and uh, the person who does the Walking Dead ones. Like, it's been a great, some of the best prosthetic um, effects artists ever. Um, but the CGI stuff is falling flat for me mm. when you see it running around. Um, what, I, what really weirds me out is that when he stabs it, it spews these slugs like knives that go into his face. It's mm-hmm. really horrible. Yeah. They're huge. You go digging for his skin. And then once it dies, they all come falling out again, leaving these huge gashes. gashes. And then that just heals up literally in the next shot. Yeah. I can understand the slugs obviously dying when it dies to signify the wave of the reset button. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why would his scars heal the split second? <laughs> like, that doesn't make yeah, any sense. Know. Not in any way. There's not even a science fiction reason for it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And you literally watch them just heal up come in out. one shot. Right. 
I'm not sure. Maybe it's just to mean that like everyone will go back to the way that they were immediately. Before. Yeah. But that's not that's evident so later weird. when you see no, the teacher. Yeah, he has an eye patch. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. Because it's yeah. a. I mean, I kind of like it, but it's fucking horrible. He would have these huge gashes yeah. in his face for the rest of his life. And if they didn't want to do that, then you didn't need it. Like, there's yeah. no need for that shot right. in any way. I find that a really strange decision. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we do get the reset switch. Everyone comes back to normal. Was that like a month later? Well, then we skip nice. a month later. Month, yeah. yeah. Um, the football game. Zeke is now part of the football team. Fucking does not <laughs> make any sense. But still smoking cigarettes. But still smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. We get a VO from a TV reporter, which is very scream to kind of yeah. walk us through everything that happened. Uh, Stokely is no longer alternate. No, yeah. Wearing that, a dress. Yeah. She's in like a purple sweater. Yeah. So clearly the aliens got to her because she's now become uniform. Yep. Which is just That's the only horrible. thing that bothered me is like I'm okay with Zeke being on the football team because he's still very clearly himself. He's sitting there smoking a cigarette on the football field. Right. So he hasn't changed. And they're clearly like it's very breakfast club vibey that yeah. they're like all these different groups of people are coming together and being friends and dating. Yeah. But then keep everyone the way they were before. So like yeah. Zeke is still the way he was. She has no makeup on. She's, She's wearing been a purple sweater. Of having an alternate. Style. Yeah, but everybody else is still the same. Yeah. Right. No, it really bothers me because she's then yeah with Stan who has Belle from the football team. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like following their dreams, but it's it's really just shoving down your throat of oh like she only dressed this way because she had a problem and now that yeah. she's got a proper boyfriend and she's definitely not. She a can lesbian. be in pastels yeah. she can and dress no like eyeliner. Yeah. Well, even Casey, he's wearing like a leather jacket and he's being like <laughs> his hair is cooler. And yeah. He's yeah, just... but you'd get that from him, like some fame, and maybe he'd try and be cooler. He'd be like, like "Oh, I should dress the part." Whereas yeah. her is like, that's just no a horrible sense. message. To yeah, send. I agree. Yeah, that I didn't like Josh Hartnett being on the football team. I didn't think that no, was his MO at all. Like yeah, yeah, it didn't all. make any sense. I didn't get it. it would have made more sense for Casey. They talk about how fast he runs throughout the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. Or it would make more sense for Stokely <laughs> to be in like a female <laughs> because she's saying she secretly watches the games. And yeah, stuff, she's you know? very into but it. But Zeke, he doesn't have any interest in football. No, ever. Um, but Casey's on the front page of loads of magazines, including Time, Time. <laughs> for defeating an alien invasion, yeah. as the news reporter says. Uh, and then Delilah makes out with him. Why? Because he's fucking famous now. Yep. So she's exactly the same as she was at the beginning yep. of the movie. I hate this ending yeah. so much yeah. because she hasn't learned anything. He just gets to be with the hot chick that he liked before, but she's only with him for all the wrong reasons that she was with yeah, the football she's still player a for bitch. all the wrong reasons. She yeah. hasn't changed at all. Which, it's yeah. horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And then ending. just seeing their skin tones next to each other is very weird. <laughs> it's very weird. And then the only thing that kind of saves it is like, well, the only thing that I like about this ending is Casey then going, yeah, things have sure changed, haven't they? And then you pan up and you see, oh, the bullies are just picking on someone else yeah. and they're ramming someone else into things. So I like this idea of, High school still goes on. It might have changed for you, but yeah. for it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just shifts. So someone else will be the alternate girl now. Someone else will be the whatever right. misunderstood jock. And I like that. But oh god, the, the, what they do with Stokely and what they do with the, like Casey and Delilah. Yeah, hate it. Yeah, it, like what you need is her coming on to him and him saying no. Right. I don't want to be with you because you're a bitch. Yeah. Or, and then like even panning over to a new girl showing up and then him being like, oh, who's the new girl? Yeah. You know, because then and it's... they don't trust new girls yeah. because of what just happened, but it's more fun. And yeah. it's like, yeah, anything like, Something. honestly, it's just, it's a horrible ending for me. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Okay. <laughs> so with that said, 
All that is left is do you guys recommend the faculty? And what would you score it out of 10? In our preliminary scorings before we get to a roundup episode. Going to start today with Alison. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about the faculty? Um, so it does have its problems, we, which we just discussed for a long time. Um, <laughs> there's long. things that they say later on that contradict things that they have said earlier and vice versa. The ending really pisses me off because I would have loved for them to all like stay the same, but they could still be friends and be together. So like Stokely overall, like just her, that really bothers me that they like completely changed her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really fucking love this movie. <laughs> wow. Is it just because it's filmed I in really Austin? I really like it. No, it's so funny. The writing is hilarious. I think there's so many good one-liners. It's super entertaining. I would happily sit down and watch it again and laugh at the same moments and probably at more moments too. So it's... It's because not that a Usher great was movie. in it. It's because Usher was yeah, in it. If he Usher had saying yeah, I would have been. I know. I just thought it'd be like yeah, ten yeah. out of ten. I love right at the beginning. Katie's like, "That's Usher," and Allison just starts laughing. Well, I looked up and, and I only saw the back through. of him, so I was like, "That's kind of racist." You're like, oh, Katie, <laughs> you did. She called me racist because I was like, "Oh, it's Usher." And she's like, "Katie." They weren't showing his face anymore. All I saw was like the back of someone, and I was like, "Oh." But then we saw it later, and you're like, "No, it's not." And I was like, "Yes." There's no way that that person is not Usher. I was like, he looks just like Usher. He was 20 years old. This yeah, was his first crazy. feature film. Baby yeah. Usher. Yeah. He was yeah. so cute. It was really funny. But yeah, I I think, I mean, the score I'm going to give it is going to be high because I think it's hilarious and so much fun, not because it's a great, well-thought-out movie okay. at all. Okay. <laughs> so I think I would give it an eight. What did you give the 70s one? Then? Eight, five. Oh, good. That's yeah. good. That's such a That's what, like, if yeah, <laughs> I'm choosing between the two, absolutely watch the 78 version. It's so much better. Okay. And you still have, the reason I love this is because I think the characters are hilarious and they're very much, they're very well developed in their own selves. And it's the same for 78, just better. Right. But I think this one is done in a funnier and more entertaining way. Okay. So okay. for sure, 100% recommend 78 over the faculty. But, but for an enjoyable if you movie. just want to throw something on and laugh at it and have fun, then yeah. Yeah. Watch this. So. Katie Watson. <laughs> um, I agree with a lot of what Ali just said in that um, I, I had problems with it, but that was not overrided or that it was overrided by the fact that it was just a really fun movie. And I thought it was well written got sloppy at times with the lore but all in all like it had a great cast it really pulled a lot of what i like from 90s movies um in that you know i i love that high school vibe to things i like feeling like you're part of a group of friends um battling against something ridiculous like an alien octopus cephalopod monster in a high school um and yeah, I just, I dug that no matter where you turned, you were like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, it's that guy. <laughs> I had this sense of familiarity going into it immediately. Um, and I loved the rapport between the characters. So I, again, will probably score it high, even though to me, the 78 is an extremely much better movie. Like you should definitely watch that so that you can appreciate the Easter eggs and the little nods to it in this film. Um, and it, it just did a great job. I think it did really what I wanted. The, the what was it? The 96? 93. 
film to do in so many ways. Like I just was like, if you really love that story, you should have fun with it. Like I want to see your passion for the story and not try and take it too seriously. And this did not take it too seriously. It did all the things that I really wanted it to do. Um, so I would give it an eight as well. And I gave the 78 a, a nine. So I feel comfortable in giving this one an eight. Um, cause again, yeah, I would sit down and watch it. I would recommend it to people. I, this is definitely one that I'm going to be like, how have you not seen this? Even though I've just now watched it <laughs> because to me, it's like, it's an instant great movie. Like right. it's an instant up there with, you know, schlocky slashers. Yeah. So yeah, I really, really liked it. Interesting. I didn't expect you guys to like, I thought I would be the one standing up with this film coming no, in. No, it was so much fun. <laughs> As a Robert Rodriguez fan, as someone who yeah, really loved this film when it first came out, even though I had my problems with it. I didn't know how it would age for people later, like late 90s slashery style mm -hmm. movies don't necessarily always age the best. Uh, this movie for me, coming back to it, was kind of weird. It's, it's kind of the invert of what I normally say. For me with a movie, I need a strong opening and a strong ending. Um, and that's the most important thing for me they're the weakest bits of this movie I don't like the opening at all I don't mm -hmm. think it works um, and the ending annoys me I hate reset buttons in horror films science fiction films and these sort of high concept broad stories um, so yeah I get just pissed off I get kind of left with a bad taste in my mouth but the meat of this film is just a ton of fun and it's dumb fun for sure uh, but I think Robert Rodriguez directs great dumb fun i think the cast is really really well like chosen even if the character writing is terrible mm -hmm. um i think kevin williamson like it's a formula by this point for sure he's taking literal you can replicate all of his scripts on top of each other um but it's kind of fun to see it done not in the normal slasher vein to be done in a slightly different genre um and it's just it works for me uh uh, purely more as a comedy sort of action film. It doesn't work for me as a horror film. I'm not scared at any point. I wasn't when I first saw it when I was 18. Um, but yeah, I love the high school films as well. And I, you know, enjoy that vibe here. I like, I like the ensemble. And it's like you're saying, yeah, they do what the 93 one should have done, which is get that small, tight space and develop the story really quickly and then allow an ensemble to kind of carry that and have some fun with it as they attack back. And there are ways this film could have done it a lot better. I think the siege element at the end really mm -hmm. could have been a cool third act to have, okay, now they're locked in this gymnasium and all of the football team are trying to get in and they're locked in there with like the queen. Mm -hmm. um, there could have been way more tension, I feel, at the end. They kind of fast forward for it a little bit. The bleachers thing is, is fine, but it's not that exciting. Um, yeah, but I'd, so I'm kind of torn. I do recommend it to people. I don't think everyone will enjoy this movie. Um, it's certainly nowhere near the movie that the 70s version is. I, yeah, I don't want to contrast it with the other ones yet until we get to the end. Um, but I didn't love it as much as I remembered liking it before. I was definitely a bit disappointed uh, watching it. I was just having more fun seeing all these actors I don't necessarily watch very much anymore <laughs> other than Elijah Wood uh, turning up. But I do recommend it. I would give it probably a seven, um, something around about there. Because uh, I just think it's a solid, fun movie that doesn't do anything exceptionally well, but does everything well enough with enough charm. And charm goes a long way, yeah. I think, mm -hmm. in this kind of movie. So works for me. Um, I do want to leave with those, like an uh, essay actually written by Elia Whiteley. Um, who summed up, I think, the movie in a great way. And she said, Revisiting Robert Rodriguez is the faculty 
which identifies the film influences. It's a mix of Invasion of the Body Snatchers with The Thing, when you throw in some Terminator, a spoonful of The Breakfast Club, and a pinch of The Stepford Wives. And what you've got is a big mess of a movie set in a school that's been taken over by a conformist alien one teacher at a time. It's very funny, occasionally scary, quite gory, and extremely entertaining in a 1998 way. Mm -hmm. And I agree completely. Yeah. So next week, we're into our final official Body Snatchers movie, simply called The Invasion Sorry, Nicole Kidman, starting Daniel Craig, um, with a very muddled history of how that film got made, uh, mm. which we'll get into. And then we will be doing a roundup episode, and depending on how we decide, we might be doing a <laughs> yeah, Puppet movie. Masters um, podcast as well. But we'll definitely talk about the Puppet Masters because we'll all at least watch it before a roundup uh, okay. episode. Uh, until that point if you head over onto iTunes and type in We Are Geeks then you can follow this podcast which is part of our horror channel we go through retrospectives we've done A Nightmare on Elm Street we've done Friday the 13th and we also do some director's ones we did Danny Boyle we have a topical podcast that goes up every Tuesday dealing with video games and movies and we have an industry one called Hollywood and Wine that goes up on Wednesdays um, and if you head over to our parent company, wearetessellate.com, you can branch out to all those social medias and subscribe to everything. And you can see some of our short films. We're just making our first feature films right now. Uh, we're a company run out of LA, London, and Tokyo. I am Mr. Al White on all the social <laughs> medias. Uh, Katie, what are you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Watson Dearest. Allison. You can find me on Instagram at Ali Sue. Thank you guys for joining me and talking movies. I yeah, it was fun. It. You got it. I'm glad that you guys one. liked this film. I did. I was kind of surprised. To, to, They're funny. To, I really Allison funny. swore at the end, so I really fucking enjoyed this movie. <laughs> I know. Funny. <laughs> so um, funny. Until next week, we're out. Bye. Bye. Let's do one last test then. One, two, one, two. Speaky, speaky. La, 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 la. Boop, boop, boop.